my femininity is in reflection to other women, um, to to other women's masculinity in many cases. And it's a femininity that does not um, exist in reflection to men. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a femininity that exists in reflection to female masculinity. Hello and welcome to the Stonebush Disco podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Stonecipher. On today's episode, I'm talking to Lily Cooney, who is a femme lesbian writer, and I would call her a theorist for sure. She's written some really helpful essays that I think go a long way toward creating a shared space for discussion about changing language within queer spaces or queer adjacent spaces in the 2020s. So it's very close to my discourse analysis heart, this conversation that we have. And I think it really will be interesting to anybody who has wanted time and space to reflect on the changing usages of words and the meanings of words and lesbian history in the context of all that. One thing I loved about talking to Lily and about reading her work is how much she centers gender nonconforming female existences, which makes space for my female masculinity. And so in order to do that, in order to center diversity in gender presentation within the category of female, Lily really pushes back on intellectual sexism, which is her term, but I think it totally makes sense the way that female voices, and particularly feminine female voices like her own, get kind of pushed into this category of not authoritative or not permitted to be authoritative, especially on matters of gender. And we get into that a little bit, but I will say as a teaser that a big part of it is that femme lesbian desire, subjectivity, like intellectual autonomy, all of that seems to fall into the background or more more likely be pushed um, based on these patriarchal assumptions about who deserves to speak when we're talking about material reality, who deserves to talk about reality, who deserves to define it. The weirdness of being a lesbian on the internet is that like you're the person who's trying to say that you still have something to say and being told that you don't. Um, that's at least, that's my experience. And I think that's at least too. If the community norm, as it's been brought to the Stonebush Disco Instagram loudly, and I would say abusively, if that norm is is for the word female to no longer ever be used by people like me expressing pride in an aspect of our experiences that we came to love, you know, after a struggle that we now own, if we can't use that word to do that, um, who says? (laughs) I mean, in the very most feminist way, one can mean this. I think our conversation here comes back around a lot to who says? Who says that that's the only way to think about this stuff? Who says that women like us can't be women like us? Um, So we do what we can in this conversation to theorize a way forward or a way to talk to each other. You know, basically, what do we do? What do we bring back? What do we leave behind? Um, So I I hope you find this edifying in some way. Enjoy. Got it. I didn't realize how loud clicks are <laughs> when you're recording on your computer. And then I clicked around about 40 zillion times and pulled up Lily's article, which is titled Gender and Biological Sex in the LGBT Plus Movement. I think mm. uh, our mutual friend who sent me this sent it because it resonated so much with the need for clarity in our terms, for like precision in the words yeah. we use, mm-hmm. that I was really running into the second Stonebush Disco started. I mean... There are, there are some moments in your essay where I'm just like, yes, like why? we can hardly talk to each other because we're not invested in making sense. Right. Um, 
with these different terms. So I was just going to ask you kind of, as we get started, what pushed you over the edge? Like I was terrified when I started Stonebush Disco and we should not be scared at trying to like make, make our own lives make sense. Right. Terrified. So what pushed you over into being like, no, I'm just going to write this. I have to. Yeah. That's a really good question. (laughs) Um, I, I would say since 2020, I started questioning what I would call leftist orthodoxies. And I'm someone who had been firmly on the left for a really long time. So it was a big deal for me to to start to say, okay, some of this stuff is not making sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a little while to come to the gender stuff. Um, but I would say what actually really pushed me over the edge was I had a therapist who had a very kind of social justice based approach and I was trying to talk to her about because I'm I'm a writer myself right um I was trying to talk to her about this feeling that I was having this writer's block and this fear of like saying something wrong of writing the wrong thing and being basically mobbed um for not necessarily something I had said I could handle if I had said something and people disagreed with what I had said but Mm -hmm the way that people will come after you for something that you have not said. Um, That's what I was, was really (laughs) afraid of. And I was trying to talk to this therapist about like, you know, we'd be talking about boundaries. I've been seeing her for two years. So I was trying to talk to her about boundaries and specifically when it comes to um, different identities. Mm -hmm. So like for myself as, you know, a biological woman, what some people would call a cisgender woman, if I offer a critique on gender and someone who identifies as transgender or non-binary finds that critique to be personally harmful and they tell me that critique is harmful, do I, as the you know privileged identity, I'm doing air quotes here, um, get to say, actually, that's not what I meant, or actually, I don't believe that what I wrote was harmful. Um, and so that was what I tried to raise with this therapist, and she basically was like, you don't get those boundaries. And this was like a big, like this didn't make sense to me also because we'd been talking in therapy about boundaries and, you know, healthy. Really? Um, so she was like, you're not allowed yeah. to say that? Or She was like, you have to be open to um, feedback from marginalized people. Um, and you might not know what you have done wrong. How would you know? if you aren't in living that marginalized identity, which I I can see the argument that I could be ignorant about things. Mm-hmm. I think that if I'm ignorant about things and something is explained to me in a way that makes sense, I will understand it. Um, if it's explained to me in a way that does not make sense, I'm not going to just agree with it because of that person's identity. I'm going to listen to their ideas um, right. like I would any person's ideas. Um, And she actually brought up the example of J.K. Rowling as like someone who had failed to be accountable, a a writer who had failed to be accountable to her community, I guess. Very interesting. Yeah. And we hit this kind of standstill um, where she said to me, you know, we can all agree that J.K. Rowling is transphobic. And I said, what did she say that was transphobic? And that was kind of like the fact that I would even ask was right as like like she shut down I shut down the whole therapeutic relationship basically 
exploded. Um, I know that's your therapist. Yeah, that was my therapist. I no longer see that therapist. Um, and she tried to turn it back on me that that I was making her unsafe. It was like a whole mess. Wow. And that was my kind of breaking point because for a long time I was trying to preserve that therapeutic relationship. And there were things that I wasn't talking about, wasn't being honest about, or like when she would push back, I would just kind of pretend to agree with her or I would say you know it doesn't make sense what you're saying but like you must be right because (laughs) you know I don't know why Um, (laughs) so the end of that relationship was a big kind of like a big moment for me and that was when I started publishing on my Substack, and I wrote an article about the end of that relationship um and then yeah I really wanted to get into the gender stuff and it had been a long time coming so I read a book and I'm I'm just reflecting on what you're saying here because I think I've totally yeah. experienced this as a turn away from any faith in rationality, right? There was mm-hmm. a kind of feminist postmodern critique of rationality in the 80s. Sorry, let me um stop this cat from making this sound. <laughs> I can see I can see it in the background. Yeah. Love you guys, but not right now. That was a very bad cat hold like in the UFC. <laughs> That was a bad cat hold. That was sloppy. I need to apologize. I won't judge you on that. (laughs) Um, But so it's like we took the critique of rationality too far and now we don't care about talking to each other. So it's like I read a book that was like the education is over if we think that the declaration of an identity on an issue like you can declare an identity and and like project it over an issue and then not allow any other thought or discussion or discourse in that space that would be the end of education as we know it we would be unable to think (laughs) it's not about ideas anymore yeah and it's not about actually substantively listening to those ideas like no please like I what I love about your substack is like you're like hey please come to me with explanations for things that I am lacking explanations please give them to me and that's what I was so like thirsty for myself and to see someone else saying that I was like damn that's exactly what it is yeah because Um, I always say like I'm open to changing my mind like please change my mind tell me something that makes sense and I think a lot of people think that maybe I'm ignorant around gender um but I had I studied gender um theory queer theory in college like I've learned all these arguments I've parroted these arguments I believe these arguments myself so when they're brought back to me, I'm like, yes, I've seen that one. <laughs> so I'm waiting for something to make sense. I mean, on Stonebush Disco, it was it was immediate that people were like, God, you've never even thought about gender, huh? <laughs> and I was like, I have at, like all the advanced education that you could possibly get. Yeah. Here. So I've mm-hmm. definitely heard that one. And I just don't, there are things that I don't buy and I don't have to. That's yeah. the question about JK Rowling. This woman I was just pointed in the direction of a podcast about her, The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. It's, it's I just listened. Yeah, amazing podcast. Mm -hmm. One thing I wish it did is talk more about the Academy because Mm. in my view, and I don't know, I'm so excited to talk to you about this, but it feels like the dominating ideas of queer theory. And let's just put the one out on the table that is the elephant in the room is that sex isn't real, right? The The way you put that belief, and this is the core belief that we have to deal with, Their claim, this is your quote, quote, their claim that sex exists on a spectrum and therefore doesn't exist at all, which is a completely accurate way to state that claim because the way it's being used 
right, that there's like the sex exists on a spectrum, but then there's also a leap immediately rhetorically every single time I hear that, which is yes. therefore you cannot claim it as a class condition. Right. And they're only ever telling female people that because female people are the ones with a stake in that. Right. So, but, but that belief, right? My sense is from having seen what is going on in the academy is that mm. there was the feminist like moment in the 70s and 80s where for a, for a hot second, it looked like female people might have some authority under the patriarchal system of knowledge production. Mm-hmm. Queer theory gets quote unquote invented by Judith Butler, or at least that's who gets cited for it. Yeah. Um, people who didn't read her at all, who didn't understand that it was deeply lesbian and deeply invested in sexual mm-hmm. difference. They take her line about gender performativity and they yes. use that to consolidate patriarchal power over knowledge production immediately. So in the 90s, you see a transition where suddenly female people are not the authorities on anything. Queer theory has restructured everything so that sex is actually equally constructed. They've taken away any, it's just so obvious in retrospect, right? Like you've swiped swiped the ability of female voices to say anything unique in gender studies. And then Mm -hmm. it gets rid of gender studies and there's all those battles about taking the word woman out of the names of these programs yeah um and so it trickles down so my feeling is this is why i wanted the podcast to address the academy my feeling is as much as we want to say the ivory tower doesn't matter these ideas created a new brand of enlightenment so that the people who seek to be branded with enlightenment the people Mm -hmm. who seek the brand of enlightenment can go immediately to a space that has told them that female people should be shut up for moral reasons Mm -hmm. does that sound (laughs) Does that sound yeah. like what happened? <laughs> yes, because it's when you talk about like the the need for enlightenment, like part of this, the enlightenment idea in this theory is is that it is most enlightened to not believe in gender. Yes. Or to not believe in sex, like because sex is seen as colonially constructed um, that to then to be anti-colonial would mean to not believe in or see sex or right to see gender as this very like fluid kind of performative thing which can we talk about how that is the wildest shit to ignore to ignore how the female sex has been positioned specifically in projects of colonization yes right it's fucking nuts and these people are not listening like let's talk about the fact that there are things that are not possible (laughs) or that have not gotten to certain parts of the world because they are less saleable when people are not questing after enlightenment in Mm -hmm. the white academy. Like the the US-based white-dominated, male-dominated academy is pushing things like sex doesn't exist. And every Latina feminist I know is like, that's a lie. And every African feminist that I was reading in grad school is like, Mm -hmm. that's a lie. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, white people are telling us that we're racist. Right. For acknowledging <laughs> like, sex. For acknowledging sex. What the yeah. actual shit. It uh, makes no sense. It really doesn't. And then we started talking about how many times we've been told that the word queer is the proper word for what we are. And we prefer lesbian. My identity is not invested in being weird. My identity is invested in exactly. disrupting the patriarchy in a very specific yeah. way. <laughs> like, yeah. which right. Me- Maybe some people think what I'm doing, like being with my girlfriend is weird. That's fine. Like that's for them. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel that way. And yeah, I'm not trying to like mess up people. Like I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to destroy the concept of gender. I'm even think like heterosexuality is fine. I just don't want to do right. it. 
right. you know, <laughs> like I'm not yeah. trying to disrupt. I'm not trying to queer as a verb things. things Maybe I right. end up doing that just by living, but like, that's just right. That the, the disruption is not my goal. The, the living, the life that I want to live is my goal. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've been really thinking about this, that yeah. I keep thinking about distillation, but like the distilled version mm-hmm. of my goal is to make sure that other people have access to the life that has given me life because yes. I was a confused, sad girl. Yeah. No, same. you had that experience, right? So yeah. Oh, okay. Back to my students. And then we'll yes. I'm gonna ask you about this, yeah. but I'm already, I'm talking too much, but I just feel like I've been wanting to like, <laughs> I've been wanting to word blast at you because I've, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so back to my students, I then had ultimately two different girls on two different occasions ask me if they could still identify as women. So I was like, yeah. okay, we're in a world where there is disciplining happening by queer ideology. If I don't feel like this tiny, narrow, narrow slice of femininity, I need to ask you whether I can still be a woman. So Which then I was awful. like, yeah. And after that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make this fucking website because I'm sick of things that don't make sense to me being imposed mm-hmm. on younger people who have less strength within themselves less yeah less of a f- like inherent understanding that female masculinity is legitimate mm-hmm. those people are getting broken down by straight and queer people now and it's yeah. so your experience you were a kid circa 13 years old you said mm. do you want to describe what led you to think like I, the way i read it was if you were born closer to today, you would have had a different yeah. experience. Yeah, I think that's possible. I mean, um, I have, I was uh, five foot nine by the time I was in eighth grade. So <laughs> I was, um, you know, 13 and getting attention from grown men. Um, and also from boys that I went to school with, um, being touched, being told that my like, I remember one time I went to my friend's bat mitzvah and they gave everybody shorts like afterwards, those little party favor shorts. And we all wore them to school and I got in trouble for wearing them when like uh, all the other shorter girls didn't because I had more leg, you right, know? Right. Um, so things like that, like the principal of my school telling me boys are looking up your shorts. And um, so, and my mom tell, like telling me, you know, don't dress this way. Or did you notice he was looking at you? Stuff like that. And no shade to my mom. She was just trying to protect me. But right. um, yeah, so I was very early aware of the attention I was getting from men. I never was interested in it. There was a weird kind of psychological thing where I, I at one point felt like it made me a valuable person to get attention from men. It made me a valuable like woman, but that was a very kind of patriarchal idea that I had as a young girl. Um, me too. But yeah, exactly. Um, but I I started to feel like, okay, well, if I don't want this, it's my responsibility to change and cover and hide my body so that I don't get this attention. Um, and I got on Tumblr when I was a teenager, and that's where I started to learn about these kind of different like gender identities. And then I went to college, and um, that was when I started identifying as non-binary. Um, and like you said, like, uh, there's a lot of people who identify as non-binary. It feels right to them. It suits them. It really like helps them be themselves in, in the world. That's not what it was for me. Um, for me, it was an attempt to 
to opt out of, of womanhood. And when I look back on it, it, it was a delusional attempt. Like I was never not a woman just because I said I wasn't a woman. Um, I never stopped getting attention from men. I could wear whatever clothes yeah. I wanted or call myself whatever I wanted. But the, the fact that did not change was that I had a female body <laughs> and that was what was, was bringing the attention. And I thought that it would be liberating to put forth into the world that I was no longer a woman. Um, I thought that that would stop me from being seen as a woman by men, which felt to me like violating. Now I have, I think, a much healthier um, kind of concept where that I think is more grounded in reality, which is that I am a woman. Um, people are going to see me as a woman. Men are going to see me as a woman. And possibly be interested in me it doesn't really matter what they're interested in it matters what I'm interested in yeah. um and so that has been the kind of grounding thing for me and I've even taken like a couple of self-defense classes and worked on like my just personal boundaries like if dudes are talking to me and I don't want to talk to them like I will walk away and leave um and so the more the more healthy um approach to this issue for me was to say the issue is not me being a woman or me having a female body the issue is the behavior the violating behavior of people and I can say no to that behavior in many cases um, mm -hmm. and often protect myself from that behavior um, and I have a choice in <laughs> what happens to me um, right right yeah and I don't have to change myself to um to be free from, like, I thought that I was like freeing myself from womanhood, um, but, which I, yeah, with which I now have, have no desire to do. <laughs> what were you going to say? Well, with the change of the words would come a freedom. Yes. But then I was going to exactly. ask you the, what did actually happen with words, which is, are there, like, did the words woman or female eventually feel a bit more like a fortress or like a ground that was meaningful? Or does it just feel like, like this were handed to you? No, it does feel meaningful to me um, because I think that there is, I mean, obviously there's great diversity within the category of female, um, but I also think that that there is a female way of being that is comfortable for me. Um, like I have never had any real gender dysphoria. I feel very comfortable being a woman and like um, growing up from a girl to a woman, like it feels, um, I don't know, like it just feels like right. And it, it does feel empowering to 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 create a, a class, like a sex class of women and to look at other women who have grown into themselves and who have become like powerful, influential people um, without shedding their womanhood by being, you know, while being loudly, proudly female mm -hmm. and and feminine as well. And that's part of like my identity as a as a femme lesbian is like um my femininity is in reflection to other women um yeah, to, yeah. to other women's masculinity in many cases and it's a femininity that does not um exist in reflection to men mm -hmm. um it's a femininity that exists in reflection to female masculinity um Right. Yeah. That was that was one of the core things when I started looking at the disappearance of lesbian, 
what yeah. was disappearing for me as I read literally thousands of pages of queer theory and every like all the gender ideology of the 2010s and 2020s I've been like steeped in it and what is true what is really just not there or if it's there mm -hmm. it's like one or two things that still hedge what hedge the power of it is di the diversity within femaleness that butch femme relationships call up as a politics every single day of our lives we are constantly yeah. just walking around proving that the category of female has multiplicity in it yeah. and that that is powerful and that that can yeah. be that that can exist on its own without somebody who is male um yeah. man identified being in that space speaking of those words mm. the male man female woman you're mm -hmm. using the term woman to refer to cis and trans people whose sex aligns with female i'm using the term woman so like my definition of woman is an adult human female and i don't feel that like i don't feel any desire to exclude trans women from the category of women um if they transition socially or medically um my definition of a trans woman is someone who was born male and transitions either socially or medically to live as a woman so to live as a woman would mean to present female um to look female <laughs> um and to look female would mean to to look like an adult human female to me. Right, <laughs> that is, right. um, yeah. To, which is That's to look I understand it. Which it brings, you know, I've been bouncing, people who have been listening to the episodes probably know that I, in attempting to theorize to a place where we can all make sense to each other, I've been bouncing around with definite, or like different ways to parse female from woman if we choose to do mm. that. Um, but I, but you're, your way here has offers so much clarity like and why isn't it best to be honest about yeah um, like trans womanhood okay i didn't realize it was so crazy in portland i've been learning that it's super it crazy is. in portland yes in, in portland yes yeah i am yeah so <laughs> i i heard i heard tell that yeah. people are now saying that there's no such thing as mtf or ftm that we or that we should not use those words anymore yeah. because the person who is trans had female or male sex and has never had to transition from birth what's the point of saying that i don't get that that doesn't help us i view that as honestly like transphobic and invalidating to yeah. trans people because i don't think there's anything wrong with being born female and transitioning to be male or being born male and transitioning to be female. That's what being trans is. And there's nothing wrong with that. So right. like by pretending that that's not the case, I feel like we're acting like there's something wrong with mm -hmm. that, that we have to pretend that's not true. We really are. We're And we're sh yeah. shushing it, it feels like. Yeah. We're really, sh we're pushing that yeah. into like, oh, we don't talk about that. Um, yeah. Well, can't you be proud? Like, like all of my trans friends that mm -hmm. I have met in places other than Portland, um, are, are like, are, well, and here's the thing. I don't even know if like trans people are the ones pushing that narrative because the only people I've heard pushing that you're shaking your head. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I've actually heard from many trans people that they find that narrative to be invalidating and untrue. And that we're not hearing their voices either. Like it's yeah. that it is so crazy how like the first horse out of the gate is always this like loud homogenizing white queer voice. That's like, no, yeah. there's no difference anywhere yeah if, if you're actually trans or actually female shut the hell up about it yeah like, it's really bizarre how it is. those narratives are so strong that now like 
I was talking to a friend who was like, well, we're not allowed to say that anymore. And, I, and this is somebody who was, who like really wants precision in words. And I'm like, what do you mean? We're not allowed to say that anymore. Yeah. Who told you that you can't say that? Who is yeah. the here? Um, and the, the idea is that it's hateful to, to say that a trans woman was born male, but like, I don't understand why that's hateful. It's factual. It's factual. And I can see how it would be hateful to then say, and therefore you'll never be a woman. I would never say that. Right. Um, I would, that is the point of transition to yes. then, yeah, <laughs> transition and be a woman and live as a woman. Right. So in a way, yeah. So I think you and I are using the words in similar ways. Like I, and Spanish is influencing me and in thinking about this mm -hmm. different ways because female and woman are the same thing in Spanish, right? Right. In a lot of languages. In tons of languages, especially yeah. romance languages. As far as I have studied, those are the ones where it's so common. And that's mm -hmm. like bazillions of people who speak romance languages. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. so you've got a situation where like transsexuality is meaningful in mm. Mexico, for instance. Yeah. And it is like a foundational category that allows trans women to be women because mm -hmm. they're gonna get conflated with female because right. that's how it works because if you're if you're functioning in society as a woman and you present as an adult human female all that is going yeah. on at once so your definition of 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 like actually no your definition of woman is the one that's holding true in Mexico because it kind of by necessity has to like Carmen right. and I were just having a conversation last night about non-binary and she was like, you know, there there have been efforts to say things like nosotres instead of nosotras or nosotros. Mm. She's like, mm -hmm. and that that happens usually in groups where it's a nod toward politeness, toward gender diversity, right? Like people can say right. stuff like that. But then, but then I was like, what about if like you're you're addressing an individual, something you give to an individual when you've got indirect and direct object pronouns coming in, or you're using adjectives for them, right? Like, what you would have to change every single word that is surrounding. You would have to change every single word to end in a. Yeah. And and she was like, yeah, it, it is actually it's functionally impossible. You'd have to rewrite a romance language. Yeah. And you know, and I kind of do so, that, but yeah. Right. Isn't it so interesting that like the the people, mostly white people, like Western people who are wanting to push this ideology, they'll call everyone colonizers, but then they want to go and change yeah. the entire Spanish language or like the entire like right. culture of yeah just a different culture that like where gender is is built into the language mm -hmm. yeah and I mean like it's it just feels nicer there because if we're talking about what's like <laughs> harmful if we're yeah. talking about what's harmful what's harmful is telling a whole group of people that they should shut up because it doesn't fit with your ideology of what gender is that's yeah. not happening in Mexico where mm -hmm. I could see it like we were there right in the midst of like the feminist march and it was like trans women and women who and I on a previous podcast I separated those two groups and I don't think that's irresponsible to do I think that's it's fair when we're talking like look if you look at like anybody in any country other than like the European ones who are being driven by gender ideology and you say woman yeah. the meaning yeah. of that is adult human female it just is yeah. and you're not going to be able to convince all of like Africa <laughs> Asia South America that that's not yeah. the case but but the core part of it is that nobody people are not being assholes to each other like the group mm -hmm. of people who call themselves women and the group of people who call themselves trans women are one and one in the same when it comes to activism yes they're on each other's teams there's not like a whole group of like queer people who seem who think that they've got their thumb on enlightenment telling all the female yeah. people who are talking about reproduction and rape of female bodies right to shut up 
Right. Um, which is why because, it feels so much better. <laughs> like yeah. here. Because the truth is like to to draw a distinction between women and trans women is relevant in some cases because those are are different experiences. Right. Um, but they are also in a lot of ways very similar experiences and when we're talking about like movements for like safety from sexual violence from men that is something that is going to apply to women and trans yes. women yes and that is an opportunity for us to work together because we have similar interests totally but then you know for instance when we're talking about like compulsory heterosexuality and the way it operates yeah. on female-bodied people people in mexico are allowed to talk about that when we're yeah. talking about how pregnancy resulting from rape operates upon female right. people people in mexico right. are allowed to fucking talk about that mm -hmm. and i just feel like here like we have at stonebush disco even been told that like we can't use the word female in attempting to describe our masculinity um right and it's like we're just you're just you're only doing that to me first off and you're basically yeah. that's always coming from like queer queer identified people who suddenly want mm -hmm. the people who are female to take care of them and I'm yeah thought, isn't this a weird repetition of like my caretaking work that I'm supposed to extend to fucking everybody all the time yeah <laughs> I find that people who are secure and stable in their identities are not interested in yeah. trying to mess with your identity and so I think that's the the icky stuff that we have to talk about is the the blurriness that has been imposed by queer ideology between butch womanhood and non-binary identity or trans masculine yes. because being the way I've seen the word if we're really talking about words the way I've seen the the identification trans masculine operate often mm -hmm. not always and maybe not even most of the time but often it's operating as a, I'm not a trans man, I'm non-binary, but I'm masculine presenting. Yeah. Like non-binary trans masculine is a pretty important category now, hmm. but that is the one that I see most often in these like verbal knockdown drag out fights with butch womanhood. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering why are we producing such a problem for you? And that- <laughs> Yeah, I have some ideas about this because I think that the ideology has conflated gender nonconformity with transness mm -hmm. in a way that is like really not helpful. Like my understanding of being trans is someone who's trans has had chronic gender dysphoria for a long time. And it that gender dysphoria is so painful and uncomfortable that they cannot live their lives. And so they choose to transition. The transition alleviates the gender dysphoria. They can now live as the way that they want to live. Mm -hmm. But the way that like, because, um, this gender ideology, queer ideology, they have uh, forsaken definitions. <laughs> they don't have that same definition of transgender. In fact, they'll argue that you don't have to have gender dysphoria to be trans. At all, yeah. At all. So if you don't have to have gender dysphoria to be trans, all you have to do is just be kind of gender weird. So I would say, and I can't speak for everybody, but it seems to me that those people who are like coming at you really hard, like, in their minds, their female masculinity is what makes them trans. And so for yeah. you to say, I am female, I am masculine, I'm still a woman, that is threatening to their identity, I think. Um, I think you have to be right, because there's no, there's simply no other logical explanation for the amount of ire yeah. at the word female and at, at any butch woman trying to center butch women. Right. And I, think, I think Stone Butch Disco has created a little island where it's like, only logic will be here. You are welcome to yeah. be here, but we're we're really, mm -hmm. and by logic, I mean, 
we're going to use words in ways that make sense to us. And if our definitions piss you off, you can, you can enter a complaint, but you have to do so like humanely, right? Yeah. It's still, it's still us talking about us, which means mm-hmm. that like, we're, we can only do the best we can. Um, yeah. but I, for a minute there, you know, it's like, are we yet another page that's trying to talk about our bodies that is going to get shut down? Like, you know, so many Reddit pages have, which mm-hmm. coming back to JK Rowling yeah we what I have seen of like even I say even but the truth is gender critical ideology Mm -hmm. all that it is is basic feminism like as in the beginning of feminism the idea that gender Mm -hmm. is a role and sex is a material thing that we're stuck with it's just not said again in the 2020s Mm -hmm. but now it's very controversial it's very controversial yeah but those people, by and large, I mean, all the people that I've talked to who are actually operating under that framework are not assholes. They're very tolerant. They try to explain where they're coming from, why their body matters. They even reveal really painful things about yeah. where they come from with their body and why they need the word female and all that stuff. And there's still, people still say to kill them, still mm-hmm. accuse them of being turfs. People yeah. want to kill JK Rowling like so loudly. And I she, know. She has done essentially nothing but number one, make survival jokes which by the way if you're part of an oppressed class you're allowed to make fun of people who are assholes but she's not making fun of trans people she has trans friends she's yeah all and what she's done is like take so much of her fucking time which she could go live on an island with all her money and not do anything (laughs) but she's taken so much of her time to try to explain where she's coming from and people Mm -hmm. see that attempt at explanation at clarity at you know at at some point she was like you know i don't think i said this the right way let me try again they see that right. attempt at clarifying all that work, all that iterative work as hateful. That's mm-hmm. a bit of an overstep. And you know, what's really the fucking overstep is fascist or Nazi. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I've been called a fascist for like nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah nothing. Yeah. It's know. crazy. And what do they mean by that? Like the idea that there is one truth in the world of all this stuff, because <laughs> who's pushing that? It ain't us. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit of a projection, I think. And yeah. even the thing of calling people hateful, because like when you look at, and I'm not going to deny that there are some people who are like definitely transphobic and have yes. like real issues with trans people and are being awful. And I don't approve of that. Like I don't right. align with that. Um, but when you look at the way that like a woman can be labeled a turf for not saying anything against trans people, even women like JK Rowling, who says, I respect trans people. I feel solidarity with trans women because we're vulnerable in similar ways. Mm-hmm. Um, how someone like that can be called a turf. And then once a woman is labeled a turf, you don't want to listen to her. And in fact, like the amount of threats of violence and threats of rape that those women yeah. get like yeah. that illuminates something for me that shows me like there is blatant misogyny there but, um, yeah. it's one thing to say I disagree with this woman or even to say I think her ideas are really bad I really don't like these ideas <laughs> um right. it's a whole nother thing to say and now it's okay to threaten her with violence and rape like that is yeah. not yeah <laughs> well and and the 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 bare minimum ask is like, please explain what you don't like about what she says. And, yeah. and some of those t- things I read, they were like, you know, her language could have been more sensitive here, but fair, fine. She didn't sure. know how to talk about the shit anyways. Like yeah. none of us do. And she was the one who, with all her power, right? Like waded into the shitstorm, storm yeah. probably before she was ready, probably, mm-hmm. you know? 
Um, but it's not that there's no there there. It's not that her saying, hey, femaleness still exists is the problem. But when you get people, when you actually ask like, why do you hate her so much? They're, they're, the answer is essentially she cares about <clears throat> bodies. Like mm-hmm. when you push it, like there, there is an ideology undergirding like hating her and silencing yeah. her and threatening her with violence and thinking that's okay. Like even your fucking therapist is mm-hmm. like, oh, well, we don't deal with that. Yeah, we like, all know she's transphobic. Yeah. Do we? Yeah. Because I've really, I've really researched the shit out of this. Yeah. And she's not a traditional trans, she's not even close no. to being transphobic. She, I've not seen her say anything transphobic. Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> and look at how I almost hedged what I said. But the truth is, I've not seen a damn thing that is actually hostile to trans people. And the word transphobic calls up these images of like, like hatred and violence mm-hmm. and like, just like the word turf is calling up those images yeah and i've been called a fucking turf for saying the phrase female masculinity yeah. so if that's happening i'm no longer going to believe that that word holds any yeah specific specific power. i've been called a turf as well and it means nothing to me because i'm not interested in excluding trans women from feminism i'm not ex- interested no. in excluding anyone from feminism that's not what i'm doing at all and, and so many like i don't see people saying get out i see people saying no. thank you for being here yeah like, it's welcome not, like, what the fuck like who are you even talking about people who are shitty people in their personality are not like proving that the feminist case for sex is irrational that those are completely different planes of shittiness and so this quote can I read just an entire paragraph from yeah go for it your because we're talking about transgender identities yeah Um, so this is from Lily's paper Quote, gender ideology may have begun as an attempt to validate and normalize transgender people by claiming that biological sex is not real and doesn't determine a person's gender. I can see how this may have been well-intentioned. However, denying the reality of biological sex actually denies the transgender experience, which is one of feeling intense discomfort around, around one's biological sex and taking measures to transition, whether socially or medically, as you said earlier, to live mm-hmm. as another sex slash gender. When we claim that, quote, trans women have always been women, end quote, we're lying and denying what it means to be a trans woman. Trans women may have felt like women or girls from a very young age. However, their experience would make no sense if biological sex was not real. And if they had not been born biologically male, if biological sex is not real and does not matter, what would cause a trans woman to experience gender dysphoria? Why would she choose to transition if she was already a woman? That paragraph, I just love the part about their experience would make no sense. It's like we're stripping words from people's ability to talk about their experience and we're declaring yeah. that that's enlightened. Yeah. Why? We're declaring that it's enlightened to force people to make no sense. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and like when you think about the state of like mental health in our country and even like the state of mental health and like the LGBT community, like we need to make sense of our lives. Yes. It's- we do like because our lives are different than the standard kind of life that we're shown and given so like we need these words to talk about our lives and our experiences yeah so speaking of needing words needing representation how do you feel about whether your femme lesbian identity shows up in culture (laughs) um I I can't really think of like there's a lot of um there's a lot of femme for femme kind of stuff um but me myself like I'm that's not how I like do it so um I don't find it super like relatable because 
my femme identity is in relation to a butch identity and the way that I am in a relationship is in in relation to butches Mm -hmm. so like and I I see very little butch representation in the media I was really touched actually by I think was on like the first episode of your podcast when you were talking about feel good um I watched that show as well and found it very disturbing like I really did not like it um yeah and there's a lot of these kind of very toxic lesbian relationships that are shown where maybe one woman is like still in the closet um or like you know she's like maybe she's straight or maybe she doesn't even really like women or like um so that's all to say I don't see my experience represented a lot not because I don't see femme lesbians but because I don't see femme lesbians in relation to butches in the media Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel the exact same and I think I'm becoming willing to die on a hill which I never thought (laughs) I would I would even stand on because I was terrified of standing on it I want to take the words butch and femme back yeah (laughs) Because they're and, not aesthetics. That's not the way these, yeah. these terms were invented, not as some new thing, but to capture a real sexual orientation between women yes. that existed long before the words. And then the yeah. second, like, like I, I don't know, not the second, we had specificity, I would say for a good three decades, but then like, that's not very long to have a word for what we needed a word for, for millennia. Right. Before people are like, eh, butch is just looking masculine and femme is just looking feminine. Whoa, Yeah. whoa. I really wanted to talk to you about this because even before, like I started questioning a lot of the stuff that I I question now, um, one of the first questions that I remember like asking was like, what does femme mean? Like I was so yeah. confused in the kind of queer community. People would use the term all the time. I would see it used all the time, especially like women and femmes as like a group of people. And I remember like just being like, I don't understand what this means and asking people and like getting definitions that made even less sense right like femme means someone who is aligned with the femme experience I'm like what so that's a tautology do you have a real meaning yeah yeah what is the femme experience (laughs) you're like well it's the experience that femmes have like (laughs) (laughs) huh like I'm so confused god you're like and I still have not into yeah, like I still the Alice not. in Wonderland hole like come back yeah. don't you have anything to say <laughs> yeah so I'm curious to hear like for you as someone who has studied words like what what do you think that is what do you think is happening there and especially with like the the grouping of women and femmes like what yeah, does that oh mean God. to you and and also like as a butch woman as a masculine woman like how do you feel about a space that is women and femmes like um it it is it is criminally imprecise, first off, because it completely <laughs> erases the actual specific sexual orientation and identity that we have as butch yeah. and lesbians and femme for butch lesbians, which is where yeah. the word comes from. Okay, so yes. he's telling us that we can't use those words. That's incredibly <laughs> ironic because you have stolen yeah. them from us. So that offends me. But also, like, I think several things could be happening here. I think the word feminine has been so deeply shit upon yeah. that people want to use femme instead of feminine, literally, like, right. as a synonym. And that's not helpful, right? Because femme is actually an identity. Yeah. Uh, I think the idea that that queer femme can be conflated with femme lesbian is wild to me, wild and a complete erasure. Um, Yeah. Because what those people usually mean is just that they're a feminine person in any kind of queer relationship. Right. 
my advisor, quote unquote, the one that I keep talking about in these podcast episodes, yeah. is the one who looked mm-hmm. at me in my dissertation proposal defense about lesbians, about the disappearance of a lesbian, and said, as a queer femme, I don't see myself in this. Like, that was a bad thing. And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> what? I are don't you understand. About? Like, I don't understand what it means because if, if it is, if it really just means feminine, then we could just use the word feminine. But also if it really just means feminine, like women and feminine people is not a category. It's not like, a category. What makes people feminine? Like if someone who, and like, right, then right, I'm like literally confusing myself in my own head. Like no. then is like a man who like paints his nails included in like women and femmes. Exactly. Like, because he's doing something feminine, I guess. Like, Frankly, the answer would be yes. I mean, I bet in yeah. both, the answer is yes, right? Yeah. And at, at Penn, it was like, at first we had a lesbian women's happy hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had a queer women's happy hour because we were forced to change it. And mm-hmm. then we showed up to the lesbian bar and a non-binary trans mass bartender asked me why it was only women in the name of it. So it's like, are we ever going to make everybody happy? No. So can we just have right. our pieces? Like this was originally lesbians who wanted to talk about the word lesbian. And now yeah. we've been forced to expand it to the point of incoherence, incoherence. Mm-hmm. And we have nothing in common now. So there's no, there right. is absolutely no basis on which to build ourselves and our understanding of ourselves and to talk about right. what we wanted to talk about. What is the point of that? What is the fucking point? Right. And the other because- thing, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I was just going to say also like, because when you, when you lump together women and femmes and femmes really means feminine, aren't you kind of saying that like what defines women is femininity? Yes. The commonality between these people is is femininity. So then that's why I asked like for you as a, as a butch woman, as a masculine woman, like where do you fit there? Because like, if we now are defining woman as only aligned with femininity, like where's the space for, for female masculinity? Like we've been talking about. Thank you so much for saying that because I have ranted about this on many occasions and it's, it is so real that there is no space for female masculinity in any construction where what is dominant is gender performance right like, yeah can't, there's no space for me if you're saying a yeah. woman is somebody who feels feminine what does that right. mean yeah and also way to just completely crush the possibility for women to have diversity in our ranks like yeah um it's essentially like the no women women are the people who are who feel like they construct themselves in opposition to masculinity in general which now includes it's like based on a male model. So yeah. it's, it's like this weird way of like heterosexualizing womanhood all over again. Yeah, to make it, it is. It's like, like heterosexual. Right. It's the, it's the creation of a new binary, feminine mask. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, I can't. Like people, <laughs> I am getting real, real prickly about when people interpolate me or call me mask or queer when I'm mm. like, those ain't the words I use. Like, I, I like the word masculine because frankly, mm-hmm. the word mask has started being used as though it's just a look. Yeah, like, right. Like, so if you want to talk about my masculinity, then yes, but that's only one part of my identity. It's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about female masculinity. Right. So there's that. The other thing that I think has really contributed to the explosion of femme and butch and mask as like aesthetic categories is just neoliberalism. Yeah. It's just buying mm-hmm. stuff. It's the fact mm-hmm. that like, like my students, when they want to, when they want to prove, and this is just what emo was back in the day, but it's like when they want to prove that they're not like other girls, mm-hmm. they buy from the men's section. And yeah. look, I mean, I buy from the men's section, but my whole identity is not based around my aesthetic. 
<laughs> no, those are probably just the clothes that you feel comfortable in. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, like, it's like there's a reverse causal chain here where people are like, well, yeah. I'm, I'm femme, therefore I must purchase these things. But there's this push yeah. toward like, I am, I want to enter a consumer category. And oh my God, mm-hmm. two friends recently said it is, it is like the queer community is treating all of its members like consumers. Like when Stone Butch Disco started, there were all these people who came to the page and were like, if you're going to say this stuff, I'm not going to be here. Like they were paying with their dollars. Yeah. Like, you're like, okay. Dollar. I was like, that's what I yeah. want. Like if you hate it, like go away. If you hate it, <laughs> yeah. like I'm not going to miss your like, your little heart on the page. Like what the yeah. I'm talking about. Um, right. Then maybe it's not for you. Not everything has to be for you, but that's the consumer mindset. I think yeah. these two friends talking about this were so fucking right that it's like, we are all consumers of identity here who want yeah. to like get the trappings of ourselves around ourselves because we haven't theorized who the fuck we are. <laughs> right. Or even just lived, like yeah. just lived and had experiences and had relationships to figure out who you are. Instead, right. it's like, right. Um, like people, especially in the, in the younger generation seem very concerned about being like validated in their queer identities. Yes. And it's just interesting because like, all of that validation, they want it from the outside. And oh my God, you're right. It's not, they're not, they're not forming it for themselves. Like, and um, right. And then it creates this weird kind of dynamic where they're like, I need you to validate me. And it's yes. like, that's not my job. Dude. Like, we're both adults. Like, if you want to validate yourself, like, awesome, go live your life how you want to live it. And then you will feel validated, you know? Right, right. But oh to demand God, validation so from other people, mm-hmm. like, it's just not healthy and it's not effective. It's really not. Yeah. I, one thing, I think as a teacher, because I've seen it firsthand, it makes me just like, I have to laugh instead of cry. But like, <laughs> there is such willful illiteracy on the part of like the younger generation that when you're like, hey, um, like for instance, I know you hate Stone Butch Disco. Did you read one of the papers that's about like us being able to talk to each other in a loving way? Yeah. They're like, what paper? And I'm like, okay, it's that is that would be a starting place before you decide who you hate, what you hate, right. validating or invalidating you. And I'm not like, I mean, I keep insisting this, but I'm not doing this project for my own fucking ego because this project can only hurt one's clout. This is like, yeah. this is like not for clout. <laughs> yeah. I was like, like, just take a second, just take a breath, take mm-hmm. some reflection, whether or not you reflect with a book is immaterial, but you reflect on what other people have said before you yeah. about it and then decide what you're mad at. <laughs> yeah. When I um, released my article about gender and biological sex, I had a couple people who were very, very loud in their kind of um, dissent for my ideas. And one person who was like very loud, like leaving long like paragraph comments, um, replying to like people who liked the work and and yelling at them and, you know. And so I talked to this person and I asked them, did you read the article? And they said, no. And I said, would you be willing to read the article? And they said, no, it it would be too like harmful. It would be too dysregulating for me. And so I was just kind of like, okay, like now I know where, where we're at. But I think it's right. the idea of like, this is so harmful that like to even read it would be bad. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's like a real kind of um, intellectual fragility, I would say. Totally. And the interesting thing was that this person was, a female non-binary um, person who had done a like grad study, like PhD thesis about their own gender. So they wanted me to Whoa. read their like 
thesis about their gender. I I didn't read about their <laughs> own gender. About their own gender. Oh and, the God. And so it's like intellectually and academically, you're theorizing and you're making these ideas, and that's like great. But when your identity is then attached to your academic work, then it creates this really intense intellectual fragility where like I can't even look at something that disagrees with my work because it disagrees with me my whole self I mean shit if you're constructing it that way it sounds like this person wrote a dissertation about themselves and then is using that to like like construct a false opposition between whatever like it's your own personal experience just like your your article Lily is like so like yes there's some theorizing because that's what you do when you're writing about anything but it's also so so much from your own personal experience there yeah. could be a world in which both personal experiences exist mm-hmm. and both experiences teach us about different aspects of this thing we're looking at. Right. It's like, yeah. It's like you don't have to tie your identity to a metaphysics of what earth is for you to <laughs> like for you to yeah. be invested in it. Like right. I don't know. It's it just feels like honestly, it just feels so overblown. Like, yes, you can read it. No, you will not be hurt yeah why yeah fuck I mean it's like it's like it puts your finger as Max said last episode it puts your finger on the trigger of oppression instead of the fucking patriarchy like we're all differently positioned to the oppressive structure your writing is not the oppressor just like if you read their dissertation and they said things about identity that totally don't vibe with you yeah oppressing you Jesus Christ no I yeah I just disagree (laughs) yeah which is yeah right (laughs) yeah (laughs) So I, I really just even like how you're, speaking of just missed opportunities, your mm. essay is structured really well. They could probably benefit from like the different. <laughs> Thank <aspects>. you. <laughs> so like collateral damage, I wanted to go mm. through this section yeah. a little bit. Um, <clears throat> you, you draw a line, which I think is such a useful one between non-binary identity and trans identity. Mm. Um, I have been confused, and this is such a basic, basic thing. It makes me feel like a basic cis woman bitch, which can we talk about how <laughs> cis women are just like completely dismissed with those yeah. sense of I don't even really, um, I don't really even use that that term cis. Um, it doesn't really make sense to me, but I use it in in the way like to make sense to people who use that term. Um, and there yeah. I will say there are like unique circumstances when I'm writing where I'm like the word for this is cis because I'm yeah. operating in a framework where this is like a category but mm-hmm. but okay we'll come back to yeah <laughs> Put a pin in that. well I kind of think we should talk about cis and, with non-binary because I think they're actually okay gonna, yeah they're gonna come into each other but yeah and because we just accuse cis of not making sense we should probably address that one mm. First, it doesn't, here's the thing, it does not make sense in my experience because I am not cis. Right. I'm masculine in a way that is pretty foundational to my entire, it's not just an aesthetic. It is my entire way of existing. Cardi will tell you there are things that are just like immutable about the way that I am, the way that mm-hmm. I sing, the way that I stand, the things that I do, my priorities, the way that I talk, like the way that we fuck, like yeah. all that that's not cis and when I go out into the world everyone just assumes I'm trans anyway so if cis is something that carries the privilege of like aligning your gender right sex I'm not doing that right Um, so that's the way in which I'm like hold on if we take biological sex out of this and I mean I don't even need the word biology for that to make sense to me yes it's biological but if we take the material experience of sex out of Mm -hmm. any attempt to describe politics then it doesn't make sense 
It also doesn't make sense to group <laughs> male and female people into one category of privilege. Yeah. No, it does not. <laughs> yeah. And and it doesn't make sense to to claim that women are privileged on the same axis that we are oppressed by being female. Like it, that doesn't make sense to me either. Uh, yeah. Um but but how I would understand like how I understand what you would call cis privilege is like I understand cis as meaning not having gender dysphoria. That's what I understand it as. So I would see that as a privilege in a lot of ways because gender dysphoria is very disruptive to a person's life and mental health. And I do feel privileged that I don't experience that. Yeah, so like, yeah. that's the only way that it really makes sense to me. Um, oh, that's actually what Mac and I ended up saying. But so yeah. but I'm still stuck in this framework and I think this is limiting my own brain. I'm still stuck in the framework handed to us by queer theory, which yeah. is like cis means something about the way you move in the world as opposed to like right. something internal. Right. Uh, because because people will look at femme lesbians and mm -hmm. dismiss them because they're cis women. Mm -hmm. and it's like, I really, I have a real issue with the, the othering of female feminine women in the community. I have a real issue mm -hmm. with what I have heard from my friends about like femme lesbian desire being assumed mm -hmm. to belong to everyone. Like, mm -hmm. like femmes aren't allowed to say that they just want female masculine butch women. Right. Have you run into that? Um, I have run into more, I guess, the being shut down and being told like you're cis lesbian. Like I've been told my white cis lesbian privilege is what is making me think the way I think. And it's not like I should be centering other people other than myself like that. It's somehow harmful for me to talk about my own experience. Mm -hmm. Um, because I have all these like privileges. Um, I haven't really run into people giving me like a hard time about like who I date necessarily. Um, but I don't really, I guess, talk about, like, I don't really open up conversations about that. Like, yeah. I, I so this is, it would be a, <laughs> there, there are not a lot of circumstances in which you would need to say, I date female, masculine, butch women. Yeah. I think that's come up for a couple of my friends when um, they've been essentially catfished, like frankly, mm. on dating apps. But it was just this like assumption that a femme lesbian's desire needs to belong to everybody who wants it. That's what it feels yeah. like to me. Like, yeah. I mean, I have definitely run into the fact that people think that just a, a woman's desire in general should belong to yes. anyone who wants it. Yeah. It's like um, feminine liquidity. I heard it. Maybe yeah. it's Kristeva, Kristeva, who, theorizes it as like liquidity that it's supposed to be just there and flowing and cushioning everyone constantly like women are right. supposed to which is why you know on stone butch disco i started theorizing the people who who roll in and say you know i'm a man or i pass as a man or i mm -hmm. operate as a man and reveal that and then immediately say so you can't use these words female whatever because they hurt me i'm like yo i've been taking care of men my whole life i'm not going to be your liquid yeah, I was, I'm laughing. I keep laughing at this because of a joke that my girlfriend and I were laughing at the other night because she told me a story of a girl on her college campus who was like very seriously kind of canceled and ostracized because she was dating who at the, someone who at the time was a butch woman and that person transitioned um, to become a man. And the, the girl, the, the femme said, you know, I don't date men. I'm a lesbian. Yeah. And broke up with that person and that person got really really upset and 
basically canceled her as like a turf and a transphobe. This is not the funny part, but um, uh, this is obviously awful. But I was saying to my girlfriend, I was like, it's like my first act as a man is to tell you that you need to sleep with me. Yeah, my first sure. act as a man is to tell you that you are responsible for my emotions. Yeah. It's just so like twisted. It's so fucking um, twisted. And yeah, yeah, I definitely have a friend who went through the same thing. Like, yeah. The same thing. And the whole community cancels you. And okay, yeah. so I'm I'm now using, before SBD, I did not do this, but now I'm using the, the term queer community because I have decided it is it is a construct of its own sustainment. Yeah. Like it is keeping itself alive. It's by, definitely a thing. It's definitely a thing. And it's not being used in an umbrella term. All the different rainbow people, it's mm. being used as a monolith. Like yeah. you, if you are in the queer community, you identify as queer. And that is that should be your primary word for not only like the group, but for who you are. Right. And it comes with gender ideology. It comes with the yes. idea that like sex is not real. And if yeah. you if you violate that at all, for instance, by asserting that you don't have to fuck someone, uh-huh. you you either you are canceled like explicitly or like silent like blacklisted because mm -hmm. you you don't vibe with the with that assumption that it doesn't matter yeah um, yeah so I, so for you the queer community is a thing we we can call oh yeah them. oh yeah it's definitely a real thing I don't consider myself a part of it um, I don't feel like yeah I don't feel like it's for me and honestly like a lot of like homosexual people don't feel that yeah it we're is not in that. those spaces like I keep hearing yeah. from Stonebush Disco that like I mean through the Stonebush Disco DMs from people who are following us that they're like oh my god I haven't been to a queer event in years and you're helping me understand mm -hmm. why that I just felt so alien in a space where sex isn't real and I can't talk about my body and I can't talk about who I want to fuck yeah. it's like we have nothing in common because we don't share a belief system that is being mm -hmm pushed as the norm and that's why I think we have to look at the academy because there would be no queer community without mm -hmm. this like special purchase on enlightenment that the academy yeah. has granted I want to take us a, a, a back step to the question you asked me before about people feeling like a femme lesbian's um desire is for everyone and yeah. I actually now things are coming to me about okay. and it's actually when I was younger when I first got on tumblr because like I I knew that I liked girls, I think by like 16 or 17. Um, and there was no, no girls who were out at my school. Like there was no lesbians. I think there was maybe one girl who was out as bisexual in like a different grade. Um, and so I found like the kind of like lesbian queer space online. And right. it was like very important to me to be able to talk to other girls who felt that way. Um, but one of the really big things was the fear of being canceled as a turf and so very early on people would start asking me um would you sleep with a trans woman would you sleep with a trans woman a pre-op trans woman like this um and i knew that to say no would mean to be canceled as a turf yeah. and at the time i also was like dealing with a lot of compulsory heterosexuality so it was this kind of two-pronged thing where uh -huh. from the queer queer community and the straight community are both telling me I should want to be with people who have penises and I learned that like not only did I have to say that I would be open to having sex with people with penises but I actually felt that I had to tell other young lesbians that they also had to yes I did the same thing yeah yeah and now I look back on that and like, I regret that because like, especially as like a teenager, someone who's like just coming into um, your sexuality and like, I hadn't 
I hadn't had sex with women. Like I, and I had, I had had sex with, with boys, with yeah. not even men. I mean, we were like 14, but like, um, like it, it took a lot for me to shed the, um, I guess my responsiveness to male desire, because it was so easy for me to just respond to male desire and male desire was everywhere all around me. It was very easy for me to say, yeah, okay. All right. You know? Um, and it was a lot harder for me to lean into female desire and what, how I wanted to be with women, because I didn't know how to, I didn't know what that meant, what it looked like, what was my role, what's her role. Like, and it took me a while, even once I started dating and sleeping with women to figure out like, what does this even like look like? Like there was a period where I would, I would date women, I would go home with them. And I would just like, I just didn't know what to do. do? You know, um, like, does anyone, can somebody hand me a map? Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know, like there's this kind of parallel between the insistence that lesbians should be, should want to be involved with penises and and then also that that insistence that comes from heterosexual uh, from um, compulsive heterosexuality of like, of course, you should want this. This is what's normal, you know. Uh, so my real beef with all of that is it's not even about penises. It's about the special thing that a female body is like we're making right. a fetishized thing about a male body part. My lesbianism is indifferent to penises. You could put a penis right, right, here, right next to my face <laughs> and I wouldn't even care. I'd be like, yeah. That's sick. I'm not interested. Yeah. Not like structuring of my identity. What structures my identity right. is questing after female magic. And we're not talking yes. about that at all. There's no model for talking about that because it's all penis or not. So right. that's so frustrating. But I was like, yeah. I was talking to my soccer coach and I was like, so here's the thing. Lesbians are being told whether they can say like what that they want to have sex with female people. Yeah. I was I was like getting into the nitty gritty of it. I was like, you know, the whole conversation is about penises, which is kind of ridiculous. But the whole yeah. conversation about like disciplining lesbians is like lesbians should be willing to have sex with penises. And if they say that they're not, that makes them a bad person. And it is like a denial of the value that lesbians feel toward a female body when that is what structures yeah. desire. And then he was like, oh, well, that's fucked up. And I was like, this has been a very refreshing conversation because like normal straight dude who is a well-meaning progressive who wants to support right. a bit of gender ideology because straight people have like, they haven't heard from butch women and femme lesbians right. ever. Yeah. So yeah. he was just trying to get, kind of go with the flow. And I was like, no, there are serious issues here. And then immediately he was like, well, that's terrible. I yeah. Like, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is true that I think lesbians are like the the battleground of this. Yes. But it's like if you can do it to the lesbians then yeah. And it and in a lot of ways it has successfully been like done to us. Like at yeah. least to the point where people are maybe people feel like they only want to sleep with with female people but like maybe they won't say it, mm-hmm. you know. Well, yeah. okay, this is the weird thing that we are still living in a world where the sex that I have with my wife, the sex mm-hmm. that you have with your partner is unknown to 98% of right. people. It is like a unknown territory. The idea that a butch could come with a strap and look exactly like a man doing it and like satisfy a woman in exactly the same way. Literally the idea that the only difference is ejaculation. That's not even a difference because they make dildos mm-hmm. that that now. like that concept. Not, the fact that nobody knows that means that it, <laughs> we are dealing we are dealing with a situation where we are the silenced erased class right. in a very apparent way the thing that we do that is the most threatening to the patriarchy which is satisfy mm-hmm. women yeah. <laughs> which is distract women from the idea that males are the only way they can get sexual pleasure 
Right. That has to be silenced. But so all of that is to set up the fact that the entire conversation about sex is like, hey, lesbians, didn't you remember that there are people with penises? Right. Instead of like, you're doing your own important thing. People don't even know what our thing is. And they're already like, yeah. did you turn your attention to heterosexual sex as though that's right. like a new idea? Like, yeah. It's not, yeah. It's not a new idea. Yeah. And how, I mean, there's so like, I've been doing a really close analysis of auto straddle. And yeah, you have experience with auto straddle? I've just seen some some headlines. <laughs> so we've we, we've landed in a situation where many of the most privileged, I would imagine, wealthiest voices on auto straddle who are most well connected to Hollywood and those kinds of people mm. are saying, are making basically my issue is they are making the entire conversation about lesbian sex completely uninvolved with the diversity within female sex and relationships that you can have. So then what is it about? This is, I came out, all I had was the internet, basically, and I went to Autostrad, somebody told me to. Autostrad was the first site that said, essentially, there's no specificity to lesbian sexuality the way that you know it. They're they're looking at a group of very empathetic, you know, socialized as female lesbians and saying, you really just need to consider that your genital preference might be bioessentialist. Yeah, and harming people. And harming people, which is the number one way to make a sensitive lesbian like myself decide that that there is, number one, nothing special about female masculinity, because Mm -hmm. in that world, there would be no way for my specialness of who I am to matter to any woman without them being a turf. Right. And also that that I need to be open to having sex with everybody, which I was. I remember this really uncomfortable conversation between a friend and I where I was kind of coming out of this a little bit because I was like no I don't think I can like force myself to have sex I don't want to have especially because I just came out like two years ago and I'm still struggling with that part right exactly yeah so there was that but then my friend was like so I've been dating this person and I just feel really guilty that like I don't want to have sex with them and I was like that was kind of a wake-up call for me because we talked for a long time and I kind of understood, I mean, of course we were like, is it okay to feel this way? But then, you know, over the next couple of weeks after that conversation, I was like, what the fuck are we doing? Why yeah, we- I like, I hate that. It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah. You know, you're, you thought like, listen to your gut. Like no one should be having to reflect deeply on whether they are obligated to have sex or to be open to having sex with a person just because they like them as a human being. I like plenty yeah. of men. I have plenty of male friends. It doesn't yeah. matter to bang them. Right. Like, but but that was and is such the thing that lesbians are thinking that we need to, that in order to be good people. Yeah. You have to think and really it is. deeply. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it, it's like a subconscious like thing. And you're right, people who are socialized as female have um like we're just socialized to care about other people's feelings and to want to like be nice and not hurt people's feelings that wow that story really like bothers me because dating is inherently discriminatory like the the point not discriminatory in a negative way but like you're discriminating between people that you want to sleep with and people that you don't want to sleep with yes that's the whole like point of it and then especially as like as gay women when we grew up learning like basically to be a woman means to be with men to yeah. to be a girl means to like boys um and like we did the 
the work of letting go of that and realizing, no, that's not what I want. Like, which is not easy work to do as a woman. Like even lots of straight women are not encouraged to think about what they want and what makes them feel good. Um, Yeah. They are conditioned to view sex as like a thing that they do for men. So like, yeah, then to, yeah, that's just so, so messed up. It's so messed up. And it's so like, how much energy are we redirecting from, and I'm calling it female magic. It's not fucking metaphysics. It's just like female specificity. How much energy are we redirecting from coming into a love for our female specificity, other people's female specificity, the female body, which the patriarchy literally doesn't even teach us about. Like we barely know what a vulva is when we're trying to have sex. We know that. Mm -hmm. So like we are so far afield from that when we're making the conversation about other things. Um, Yeah. And that's my only request is that like auto straddle, keep the center, the center of its expressions about media, of its interviews with people, keep centering female specificity, because that is why I, as a young lesbian, and frankly, most young lesbians come to auto straddle. They want to understand their bodies. They want to know that they are legitimate. Butch women, uh, there is almost nothing for female masculine people on auto straddle now. Because right. it's homogenizing of like people who who say that who identify as women are saying they identify as such because of femininity. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you're coming to a lesbian space as a butch woman, what, there's nothing for you to read. You're being lumped in a way that the lumping doesn't make sense. Yeah. This is making me think about because I've I've wondered before, like, why is so much of the lesbian representi- representation in media? Why is so much of it femme for femme? Um, and you could argue maybe it's because, uh, that's more like appealing to the male gaze or to like heterosexual gaze. Like maybe that's prettier to see or whatever. Um, but also I think like, um, it might have something to do with what we're talking about here, because like, when I think about my own sexuality, like I'm attracted to women, I'm not real. I'm not attracted to straight women, like that's not it doesn't like I could look at like a straight woman she could look really pretty um even like other femme lesbians I could think they look good I might even think like they look sexy but like I'm not really attracted to them in the same way of like okay like when I see like when I saw my girlfriend who is like a butch woman a masculine woman there was like a pull like there's like an attraction an allure and like it's a specific part of the femme sexuality that I'm attracted to, yeah, to female masculinity. Like I'm attracted to her masculinity, not because she looks like a dude, but because she's masculine and she has a beautiful female body, like, and like beautiful, like a pretty face and like, you know, like she's like curvy and, and she's wearing like a cool hat and like a sweatshirt and like, you know, it's like, and that is, I don't think that's every um, person's experience, but like, that's my experience as a femme lesbian. And like, um, before I was with my girlfriend, I had kind of my first serious long-term uh, lesbian relationship. And it was with another femme who was like very similar to me, like too similar, you know, we were both kind of these like tall, willowy, um, like anxious, artsy femmes. Um, and she, she's a great girl like she's a great woman um but it never like 
there wasn't that like balance that like push and pull that creates a dynamic relationship and now like being with my girlfriend Hadley um it's like like I love the ways that we're different from each other and like within the category of female like we both are female but there's such difference and there's such balance and like that's what I look for when I'm thinking not even just about who I want to sleep with, but who do I want to be in a partnership with? Yes. Who do I want to spend my time with? Who do I see a future with? Like, who do I want to have a family with? Like, and there's just something so like alluring about Butch's when there comes to the immediate attraction, but then also the idea of like the relationship that we're going to build together as a femme Butch couple. Yeah, I love hearing that because it's so true. It's such a different this is an orientation that long preceded giving it any label, which is why mm -hmm. when we landed with the Femme and Butch as labels, we should have been allowed to keep them because it was a very specific thing. Um, so, but but it's so much more than the attraction. It's an orientation, but it's it's a form of monogamy that is actually yes. like deeply feminist in ways that other yeah. relationships are not founded on feminism, founded yeah. on female diversity, founded on like the masculine feminine push and pull, but between yeah. two people who are socialized similarly, it is different. And it's like, why are we allowing? And I, we're not really allowing, it's like homophobia <laughs> is real, right? But there is right. definitely a very different treatment of male femininity as mm -hmm. a real thing than female masculinity as some kind of yeah. like wannabe maleness. It's, I don't know what that is because male femininity now is very much, I guess, marketable, like with uh, the rise of like RuPaul's drag race and the people, I think, especially like straight people see it as entertaining, uh, which is also, I think, dehumanizing in its own right. Um, yeah. But I think people see it as, as entertainment and people don't feel the same way. And maybe it, that has something to do with femininity in, in general, like kind of performative. Like it's femininity. for everyone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But people do not feel entertained or like tickled by like female <laughs> masculinity the same right. way that they do about male femininity. It's a good thing to point out because as we're saying, it's pretty radical for it to be visible, which is why I right. think it can't be. Um, yeah. But I do think that male femininity is kind of allowed to have its space, whereas female mm -hmm. masculinity must be incorporated into some logic, either like a failed woman or like a failed man mm -hmm. or like. Right there's it has to go somewhere other than itself yeah um, and I mean we're we see that constantly from the straight and queer community one one thing I've loved about this project is that there is no way for me to be gaslit anymore because the examples people have sent me of being mm -hmm. told that female masculinity is an illegitimate category in one of those two yeah. directions are infinite they're never gonna yeah. stop um, yeah Can we go back to the word the word non-binary? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> so, and here's the thing. We, mm. I know where your heart is on this and where my heart is on this. We're not talking about people or identities. We're talking about words. Yes. And and how they affect people, but fundamentally, like what is built into words, you know? Yeah, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? So this is a paragraph from what you said, quote, the nebulous nature of the term non-binary creates a situation in which young women like myself, who feel uncomfortable in their bodies and in the world due to sexual trauma or other issues, may feel that they are not really women. This can further destabilize them in a time when what they need is stability, connection to their bodies, and assurance that being a woman can be empowering. 
This mm-hmm. issue is further exacerbated when we define non-binary as, quote, a person who does not adhere to the gender binary, end quote, which is the one I hear the most. Yeah, me too. Okay, Lily continues. This mm-hmm. definition essentially tells women that if they do not adhere to binary gender stereotypes, they're not really women. It tells them that there is only one way to be a woman and they're doing it wrong. This affects, can confirm, that's me. This affects mm-hmm. gender non-conforming, gay and masculine women the most. I'm a femme lesbian with a giant soft spot in my heart for butches. I love masculine women and find them incredibly alluring and beautifully handsome. That's where I shed a tear, metaphors. <laughs> um, it breaks my heart to see butches and other gender non-conforming women identifying as non-binary because they feel they are not pretty, skinny, or feminine enough to really yeah. fully be women. Yeah. That, that you get to it. And there are so many people who'd be like, turf, turf, turf. But yeah, and they have. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. But what you're saying is that's not a reason to identify as non-binary. That right. was my concern. If yeah. the reasons you're identifying as non-binary are true and, and that's you and you want it, you want to take it on and it's not yeah. pressure, do that. But mm-hmm. we are like sticking our heads in the sand and gaslighting women and literally like shitting on girls if yeah. we're not going to admit that this new gender ideology has has basically told women they have to be a certain thing to be a woman. Yeah. And like, this did not come out of nowhere in my brain. This came from my, from knowing my girlfriend. Um, Because when I first met her, she was identifying as a non-binary woman. And I asked her, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? And she said, well, I feel like I'm not pretty feminine or skinny enough to be a woman. Like that is an actual thing that has been said to me by a, a butch who I love, you know? So like, it's not, and people are like, that's not, doesn't happen. But like, this is all of what I've written is from my experience um, and right. real things that have been said to me. And it's funny because like, we started talking about it. And, and I, at the time I was saying to her, you know, like, I accept whatever gender identity, like you feel is right for you, but like, explain this to me, like, how does this make sense? And when she said that, I was like, you know, I'm still trying to be careful. I was like, okay, like I, I respect your identity. And I will not agree that you have to be pretty feminine or skinny to be a woman. I like fundamentally do not agree with that. And I will not, um, I will not (laughs) tell you that I agree with that. And she was like, oh yeah, yeah, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Now she's like, yeah, I'm just a lesbian. (laughs) Shit. I got those subtle messages all the time. I was the wrong size. Like you, I was really tall, Mm -hmm. really fast. Um, Yeah. And had big arms that never, I hated how, if I was in athletics, which I was good at, so I had to be, right? I, even though I yeah, eventually like joined the debate team and hid anyway. But if I was in athletics, my arms would never not grow muscle really fast. And I was just uh-huh. like, God damn it. Like if I can't play this sport without like <clears throat> this happening again. And it was like, I was tracking it every season, you know? And now that's like a great quality. <laughs> well, for, for <laughs> butch, my new butchness. Yeah, exactly. In the last decade. yeah yeah it's it feels better now right it feels great right but you do get those messages of like you're doing it wrong you're doing it wrong yeah the real real kicker for me was so much more intimate and just icky that I had a hard time talking about it which was like Mm. you must basically if you like having sex like this women don't women don't do that right and it took a while for me to think hang on gay men get penetrated and they're allowed to be men like what the fuck are you talking about like yeah if we're talking about penetration yeah god damn that whole narrative about like you can't fuck somebody with a strap and and enjoy it and like have an orgasm and still be a woman 
I've yeah. had people say that's a trans thing. I'm like, homie, we're all using strap-ons. It can be whatever yeah. I want it to be. Right. Maybe there's some overlap, but that doesn't yeah. mean that your experience is a trans experience. Exactly. And why would that be necessarily a trans experience when we're clearly right. built as women that that is possible? Yeah. But what really gets me about that, speaking of the othering of femme lesbians, is yeah, everybody makes strap-on sex about the wearer and not the experiencer mm-hmm. um, of the penetration. It's like, yeah. actually, she likes it from a woman yeah so then I'm not trans like well, you're not even thinking right. about her. you're not even thinking right. about her like yeah I that. yeah yeah it's like that is what makes the experience lesbian right right and I've the had like, the women. things that make me mad so <clears throat> this I loved this line I'm sure people hate you for this <laughs> this part I love quote with so much love and I know oh, yeah it. I know that you mean it but like <laughs> But I know people are like, she's lying. But no, you're serious because you care yeah. about female people. So with so much love, if you identify as non-binary because you believe that gender roles are so pervasive and unchangeable that you can never be free living as a woman or a man, you are coming from a place of having given up. Mm. Yeah, I feel this, was, this was the most controversial part that I wrote and that people were the most upset by um but I really think that the people who were upset by this line were not upset by the actual reading of it I think that um because what I'm saying what I'm talking about like you said is the reason for identifying that way you're not saying non-binary can't be an identity you're saying don't identify that way because you gave up on diversity yeah 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 and you know what's actually really sad is I had multiple people message me actually both male and female people who identified as non-binary and say you know what I have given up I had someone say to me I've heard this I had someone say to me I am male and I'm feminine and therefore I have failed at being a man and so I like I choose to to identify as a failure and I said to them like I that is your choice, but I do not see you as a failure. I do not see feminine men as failures. I do not see masculine women as failing at being women. And I, I'm not going to agree with that. I have heard the same thing. I'm so, yeah. uh, Okay, that makes me feel like there's really something going on there. Because yeah. I've heard people say, you know, I just don't think society will ever vibe with gender nonconformity on someone's sex being a way to be that gender. But I guess more specifically, if we're going to parse terms here and separate sex from gender, what they'd be saying is that society is never going to be ready for someone who is gender nonconforming to avow and own the sex that they're a part of and have that stay their gender while they continue to be gender nonconforming. Back now to the conversation with Lily. And it's like, um, what, by what standard are, so you're saying you failed your body? You have failed the destiny that society has placed upon your body. Does that mean you think there's something wrong with your body? Or does that mean you think there's something wrong with your behavior? What is the failure here? I think they think there's something wrong with their behavior because I think that, I think that they have taken maybe, maybe strict gender roles that were taught to them when they were younger and they view those, they still view those as true. So then by not adhering to the gender roles, they view themselves as failing. But like my argument is we don't have to take on those gender roles and expectations. Like the expectation for me as a woman is to be with a man. 
And I don't accept that um, expectation. That doesn't mean I'm not a woman. That means that I'm doing womanhood how I want to do it. And that's what I view as liberatory rather than me saying, you're right. Being a woman means being heterosexual and therefore I'm not a woman. Like that to me feels like a defeatist ideology. And you're a writer and I'm a writer. And Mm -hmm. as somebody who's taught, have you taught in classroom before? Um, I've worked in education. I haven't taught like in um, like a school setting, but I've done a lot of summer camp and I tutor now. So, yeah. So that's, that's the same thing in my book. What I just based on what <laughs> I was going to say, which is like when you, if you are someone who believes in like the spreading of ideas, then you're the yeah. way you identify is not only going to be about yourself. So there's right. this other thing, which is like, um, I think the neoliberal corporatizing of queer, like the, you are or of identity in general, right? The new identity yeah. regime is like you as a consumer are finding your identity through taking on traits that are extrinsic to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps you maybe find something that feels good or maybe not if you're identifying with failure or maybe it does, but <laughs> makes you feel makes you feel good within yourself. But then what happens to all the girls growing up who are gonna feel from what you just said Exactly. For them to occupy womanhood will be a failure if they are different, which is where my experience with my students comes in, which is like, yeah, you're allowed to be a girl. Do you want to be a woman? Mm -hmm. Yes, you're allowed. Like, but they were like, but my friends are saying like all this stuff, and I'm like more masculine than they are, but they identify with they them pronouns, and they're telling me that like that that's who I am. And it's like, um what what happened to like what liberation would be for a class of people? Like, yeah. What us, what we adults are saying about I'm a failure, I I need to identify, I need to identify my way out of womanhood because that is a very narrow category. I don't want to be the shit upon cis woman, so I gotta do something. Right. Else. Yeah. I mean, people are really saying things like this. Yeah. I think there is this myth that like identities are all completely intrinsic to the person and pure from societal influence. We know that mm-hmm. can't be the case because as feminists said since the beginning of feminism, like gender is deeply social, deeply social. Right. So if if that's if they're not completely a thousand percent pure, then we do need to think about the influences we're having by saying certain things about our genders. Yeah. We have to acknowledge the fact that ultimately choosing they, them, or she, her pronouns is a choice. Everyone yeah. knows it's a choice. So yeah. if it's a choice, we have to be able to discuss maturely our our decisions around that. Yeah. If you are choosing a non-binary identity because you think you're not a good woman, what are you doing to girls? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what has, no, you're good. Um, that's what has concerned me as well, because I do work with kids and I work with kids in Portland and um, I have seen very young children um, kind of wanting to change their name, change their gender, stuff like that. Um and I'm not saying that's always a bad thing, but like you said, we have to consider the influence that what what is happening, what like what what messages are these children getting um, that are making them think and feel this way? And like this is why I also say like I really I'm never gonna tell adults how to identify. Like if whatever identity they feel right with them is fine. Um, but what I am gonna do is. Um, if I notice a narrative that I think is going to be harmful to young people, I'm going to at least put forth a counter narrative. And my counter narrative is a girl can be however she wants to be and still be a girl. (laughs) Which Um, is and has always been radical. Yeah. 
it's if we're talking about progress, that would be a thing that we have not accomplished yet that we should accomplish. So there is no way that it would be responsible to disappear that narrative. And there's no yeah. way in today's world that that supporting that narrative would be possible without discussing the the explosive growth of non-binary identity as a choice. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say is I have heard from a couple of people that they have experienced gender dysphoria from a young age and that identifying as non-binary being referred to uh, as they and like presenting in what I guess they see as a gender neutral way alleviates that dysphoria for them. Yeah. And I I would consider that to be a trans experience and like less of a choice. Um, but I don't think that that's the majority of people who are identifying as non-binary. So like I try to keep like, I guess, an open mind when it comes to severe and chronic gender dysphoria playing a part in it. Um, but I think it's important to distinguish the non-binary identity as an ideological choice from being transgender, because yeah. I see being transgender the same way as being gay as not a choice, as just a natural part of a human being's experience. And I think we do trans people a disservice when we put the non-binary choice on the same level as being transgender, um, because it makes being trans seem like a choice. It came back to me what I was going to say. Go for it. Um, here is the way that you can tell whether something is an identity or an ideology. Um, do you know any Republican non-binary people? <laughs> no. Oh, God. Yeah, you're right. But there are transgender people on all sides of the political spectrum. There are Republican transgender people, maybe not as many as Democrats, but um, there oh, are gay and lesbian people all over the political spectrum who have all kinds of different ideas. Non-binary people you will usually only find on the left and usually on like the progressive left. Um, and so that's what kind of gives me a sign that this is driven by ideology and this is not an inherent um, identity. That is an incredibly effective litmus test. <laughs> yeah. I thought about that, but yes. <laughs> I think that makes sense. Um, and, but is, there is no inherent illegitimacy in non-binary as an identity. It is the way in which terms can become swooped up into ideological projects. And yes. This one sure is easy to turn against female people. <laughs> yeah. This is a real easy okay. one. But the thing is, it's easy in the United States. It's easy in places where romance languages aren't spoken. Like mm -hmm. the idea of lumping lumping which it is a lumping and I don't understand why it's beneficial but the lumping of non-binary identities that are chosen like the one that I am talking about that I could take yeah. on any day because I do fit the bill of the way most people define it yeah the way most people understand it which is why I get they themed all the time that's the litmus right. test for whether like I'm functionally socially non-binary mm. so if, if that even matters but like that choice that I could make we cannot lump that if I tomorrow was like actually I'm gonna use they them pronouns which so many people who use they them pronouns concede is a choice right like these are yeah. this is which everybody talks about pronouns as a choice so we ha we are dealing with right. the fact that there are lots of things that are choices um if i was to do that then to lump me in with trans men's experience would be entirely an injustice to them right Not to them like maybe also to yeah. me but mostly to people who are dealing with the actual shit hard part yeah taking on a full transsexual identity yeah um, so i've never understood i mean and, and my sister 
is one of the smartest people I know. And we'll, we'll like see an, an instance of non-binary identity declaration. And mm. we'll be like, what do you think they're doing there? Because at the same time as they're saying they're non-binary, they're talking about like their period. Mm-hmm. And there, like, there is some distancing from womanhood, but some ownership of. It is unclear what people are owning and giving up. Yeah. And then ultimately, what's what is the political purpose of doing so? Yeah, and that's what makes it difficult too, because then you have people who um, don't identify as women, but do want to talk about right periods and the capacity for pregnancy and all uh-huh. these things. And then that's where you get these terms like pregnant people or uterus havers or people with periods and people will claim that that's to be inclusive of trans men but like as I've learned more about like the transgender like transsexual experience um, people who go on tea for more than a month will usually stop menstruating like it's it's a very very yeah, yeah. Uh, quick thing that happens. So like trans men are not regularly menstruating if they're on testosterone. So we're not talking about them and we're talking about periods. So now it's like, who are we talking about if we can't just say women? We're talking about people who are like offended by being called women, but are sharing pretty much every experience with women. Right. So of course they want to be talked about in those conversations because it it refers to them. But like- yeah. Yeah, that's why it gets confusing. Well, it totally gets confusing. And of course, the gender critical people with an eye toward the law and like progress in the legal realm are like, hold on, guys, like what is going to be our the name for our class condition? Yeah, because they're in a way this is not about you. (laughs) Like it is is very much not about the pronouns you choose, the identity you carry. It is about a class condition that needs defending. Yeah, as Roe v. Wade has taught us, right? Mm-hmm. how then are we going to talk about discriminatory policy without naming who it hurts right um, and so it's like we could say female we could say females um but i think one of the purposes of the word woman is to take the biological experience of female and humanize it like a woman is a human person right, female right. is more of like a body right so like i think that's why a lot of women feel insulted and even like attacked when they see the word woman disappearing from conversations about motherhood and about female bodies because we're sensitive to being um dehumanized exactly dehumanized in this very specific physical way that has to do with our reproductive capabilities we are literally like operationalized as an object when and that's in our first episode my sister and I were talking about being called females as a group how how deeply dehumanizing that was when like the male coaches would say like hey boys don't hang out with the females or whatever it was like they were boys and we were females and that did feel horrible and I hate that Mm -hmm. um and I've always kind of chafed at that but I have like run into the territory of like okay if I'm going to be specific I have to use the word female because otherwise people aren't right specificity so I've been forced to take on female masculinity instead of masculine woman because because I do concede that trans women can have a different experience of being women but can call themselves women like that's not an issue for me so how do we then have specificity but also humanity right yeah um yeah and it's it's like we could imagine a world where we could use all these words the ways that we mean them and based on context it would be fine that would be possible. It would be possible to have a world where when you and I are talking about women in a specific context, people just know we're talking about adult human females. Right. That would be possible. And frankly, all over Latin and South America and 
all over Africa. That's just what it means. That's just what most places, most places in the world. That's just what it means. And it is, you know, it's colonialist. It is fucking colonialist to look at those people and tell them that they need to start using different words. That's yes. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, if that's the situation, why, you know, that could be okay. It could be okay for us to be able to use those words in that way. But what has happened is people with the brand of enlightenment have like cavalry style found their way into every single space that may not be specifically for them and said, you must purify your words. Yeah. You cannot use the term woman in the way that you would dominantly use it. Even yeah. if it makes sense in this context. Like when we're talking about the law, often sex is named as woman in legal mm-hmm. texts. So mm-hmm. yes, that's why the radical feminists were fighting for the word because they wanted to specify sex and we gave them no other option. It's yeah. Like, if we could all just admit like, if Ketanji Brown Jackson had just said, hey, that's an interesting question, Marsha Blackburn, instead of like, I'm not a biologist, so I don't know what a woman is, it would have been honest to say, you know what, we really haven't sorted this out. There's sex at play, there's gender at play, we need we need yeah. to like take, take time in the legal field and come up with some answers. But instead it was like, Blackburn's a fucking conservative nut job for thinking that there needs to be a class of people who is called right. in the law, yeah. which is ridiculous. Yeah. Mm. It's to, to not even attempt to answer the question, but to just attack the questioner. That exactly. the question itself is is harmful and bad. And we can attack Blackburn on a bunch of different grounds, but not on that one. That could have been yeah. a meaningful <laughs> interchange. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a deflection technique, I think, because yeah. like when you can't answer a question, it's convenient to be able to say, that's a bad question. I shouldn't have to answer that. And how dare you even ask that? Because <laughs> now you don't have to answer the question. <laughs> exactly. And that is that performative, how dare you, is dominating spaces yeah. that don't make sense to me. Where I'm like, yeah. I literally am, I am reading with fidelity everything mm-hmm. that you have said on your Tumblr, random person, and I cannot <laughs> make it cohere. Yeah. That is not because I'm a bad person. That is because there is missing <laughs> logic in here. Yeah, because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. Or like, maybe if we're trying to be generous, maybe it makes sense to that person. It doesn't make sense to you and your experience. Right, right. And I mean, on, I think it doesn't make sense at all, but like, um, there I guess I'm just trying to be generous. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think you're right. There, there's no, we'll never have a final answer on post-modern, post-structuralism or whatever, like yeah. this truth. But the issue is like, can we have a discourse here? And if I can't even make basic sense of what your priority is or what your values are or what your goals are, like one of the things about Lincoln Douglas debate is you have to declare what you care about. At the top, right. like justice is the guiding value or like fairness is the guiding value or equality. And then you can, right. then you can locate what people are saying because you know what they want. But yeah. like, there are so many moments online where I'm like, I don't even understand what, what are the stakes of this for you? What are you I'm fighting like for? On. Yeah. What are, who yeah. are you for? What are you writing for? And if I can yeah. get my head around that, then how the fuck are we ever going to talk to each other? Cause I literally yeah. don't understand where you are coming from at a basic basis. Yeah. And do you know what is a lot of people, I think don't, they don't understand it themselves. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people are because there's this really intense moral pressure, like you said, like this, this um, idea of uh, enlightenment, um, that like, there's only one enlightened way to think, and there's only one good way to think and to be a lot of people are not thinking critically, what they're parroting, what they've heard that is the right thing to say. And even in their identities, they're acting out what is the right identity for them to have. And so it doesn't come from like, 
like for you and I talking about a butch femme lesbian identity, it maybe theory is involved, but like it comes from our experiences, our lived experiences in our bodies and with in relationship to other women. So like it makes sense to us. We can explain it in a tangible right. way. You can look at it and see it. Um, but somebody who whose identity is based purely on theory and not even theory that they themselves have like digested and understood, but just theory that they're just repeating because of because it's the right theory. It's just sound bites. It's sound yeah. Um, so and I think honestly that's why sometimes people do get reactive because it is very uncomfortable to have this thing that you that you assert that you really believe in and then to not be able to explain it. Um, and I've come across that a lot. <laughs> like people will say, I oh, well, I don't feel like a woman. And I'll ask like, okay, well, like what, it, what would it feel like to be a woman? And they're like, I don't know. It's a complex uh, thing and, it, and it's a spiritual experience and it's a transcendent spiritual uh, thing. And I'm like, okay but like that doesn't make sense to me like does that make sense to you <laughs> right and not even you but like, like the person also, saying it who's the gender essentialist if you're creating like a right. around well just feeling like a woman is just feeling like a woman that sounds like all the people who are like no you just have to have faith when you're like please mm. you believe this thing and they're like faith period that is exactly <laughs> right. what like gender ideology at its most dogmatic sounds like to me yeah. it's like it does just yeah faith. And I'm like, well, then can you explain? Okay, so if that's your situation, if that's how you feel about these things, can you please explain to me why I don't have that feeling of like right. spiritual connection to woman? Like for me, mine's a political class. I have a connection yeah. to how I fuck. Like I have a connection. Yeah. I have physical body connections. I have tentacles in all kinds of female material experience, but I'm not right. like, this idea of being a woman came to me from like- right. From this herb place prior to my consciousness like i'm not I, i'm not there so can you explain to me why i why i'm not there but i'm still identifying as a woman like can we just make any of this make sense to each other and, and, the answer and they can't no. yeah yeah, um, yeah. it's it's surprise it is like queer ideology is so good at pretending that it's pluralist but then mm. being like deeply disciplining and completely anti-pluralist like there is no space for me to have a different understanding of what gender is right yeah and, that is, and that's why I think it's it's like the projection like you said is so extreme like yeah. how do you invalidate me I'm like bro you literally came into this space to invalidate us so yeah that you took the action that you are declaring that I am taking when right. I listen to you <laughs> like yeah bro. It is. I've started realizing that like once I once I published my essay on gender like I got a lot of kind of negative feedback and I started noticing that people were saying exactly what they were doing like people yes. were coming in really aggressively and then being like why are you so aggressive and I was there, like frankly there is zero nothing aggressive about your piece there's nothing yeah here. right nothing. or yeah people being like well like I actually lost um a good friend who was um my my friend from college who was a gay I mean he still is a gay man um and really my first like gay friend where like we were first both out you know um but he got so angry when he read my um article and his his projection was like you have internalized homophobia and you are harming the lgbt community and he said he wouldn't even discuss with me he said you are too far gone ideologically you're too far gone 
And I thought it was so interesting. I'm too far gone. (laughs) Yeah, because I felt the same exact thing about him because he wouldn't even have a conversation with me or refute any of my points. Like he would, he made a bunch of points and I was able to refute them and say, actually, that's not how I think about it. This is how I think about it. But right (laughs) to him, I'm too far. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And I mean, frankly, words do mean things. And like the the term gender critical builds in criticality. And everyone I've seen who I've actually dialogued with, who, who has said, you know, I'm a gender critical person or I'm coming toward, you know, a lot of people don't like just own that, but they're like, I'm kind of existing in this space where I'm getting a little gender critical. And those people are always thinking really fucking hard and they're reading and they're listening to other people and they're trying to figure shit out. And the word critical is in it. It's not, it's not like gender, like denial, like, yeah, I don't understand. Um, Yeah. And I, I just think the people who hate those people are not looking at the reality of, oh, by the way, academics mm-hmm. judith butler um i just i have a lot of anger a lot of anger toward yeah that butler absolutely abandoned sexual difference as a found as the foundational analytic that was her the base of her entire work like her entire mm-hmm. body of work she abandoned it and now she attacks everything as turfy she wrote an article i think it was for the atlantic that was like look out for turfs they're fascists and it's just like and she lumped everybody in with that and gender critical people and it's like I understand. No, I don't understand. You're a wealthy, privileged academic who has decided to write quote unquote think pieces like this. And yeah. people like people who say that the academy doesn't matter are lying if they are <laughs> and they're just not paying attention to the fact that those same people who like made up the idea of enlightenment being that sex isn't real, or Judith Butler in her case, allowing that to be how people read her work, which is the exact opposite of her work, whatever yeah. the fuck made her defect from the actual questions that she had, I don't know. I don't know, but she let that happen so that sex is made up. Those people who did that initially are controlling public discourse still. Mm-hmm. They are they are the ones from whom everyone else takes the nod of like, this is what we say now. Yeah. We, we have to get, I think, to the the belly of the beast, which is like the university-based humanities and look at what happened look at what happened and how men men got it again yeah or at least it got taken away from female voices again yeah you know I'm not fucking perfect I say things in ways that I wish I said more effectively or more truly sometimes but like those are conversations I would love to have those are real discourses those are real like hey we're all working this shit out like please come to me with your feelings and those they're like the the inner circle of folks who support this project are very much like we talk to each other about, is this the, is this, am I going to, am I like barking up the right tree with this particular question yeah. of concern or like what, the way that I'm using this word, does that make sense? We have those conversations. We disagree with each other, but so many people came to, well, we end up, we end up agreeing because usually we can make each other make sense, which is why right. it's so useful to yeah. have these conversations. Um, but like so many people landed at Stonebush Disco and were like, you are just a cold-hearted academic who just wants to force theory on people. And I was like, if you read the first page of any one of those things, you would see what I'm saying. Ah. Academia has completely oppressed me and you are on the team of the people with the money and the talks and the books and the everything. (laughs) Right. So what are you talking about? And then the idea that like, you can't have an emotional stake in the lies people tell from university privilege. No. Yeah. 
I have an emotional stake in people in millions of college students being lied to. That's important. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this is like a touchy topic, but you briefly brought up detransition earlier. And like, if if we allow an ideology, I mean, allow whatever, but like, if we don't refute an ideology that teaches young women that there's only one way to be a woman, and that if you're not doing it this specific super feminine way, you're not a woman, like we are going to have people going down the trans path who are not really trans. And that's where you get these high levels of detransition and you get people who whose body and healthcare has been like severely um impacted by this ideology like it's not just thought anymore it's now bodies and it's double mastectomies and it's testosterone which will have a very serious effect on people's endocrine systems and those treatments i think should exist for people who are transgender and that's who it's going to help but for people who are not transgender and who are just struggling with womanhood or with being female or who are just figuring out their identity, like those, that is doing physical um, harm to people. And it's coming from this ideology. And we know it's happening. Like that's the other thing. We know this is happening. We also know transgender people are real. Right. Like, you know, it's an ideology when you're not allowed to say both of those things in one space, people tell you you're, you're evil for bringing up one of the two. Right. So we just, we simply have the numbers now. Endocrinologists are writing about the fact that it is largely young girls who are detransitioning and they give reasons. Like I read an article that was like 70% of detransitioners detransitioned because they realized that their, their problems, that their gender dysphoria was caused by something other than their, than being transsexual was caused by something else. And just to interject real quick, the reason that this is so close to both of our hearts is that I know, I know that Lily and I would both potentially have had our lives impacted very majorly um, by ideology in different circumstances and that it would have been a dice roll how that ended up affecting us in the long term. Um, I believe personally that I am very, very close to having been someone who would have begun a transition and then also detransitioned. And that's just based on talking to a lot of people who have had that experience and seeing that I have much, much, much in common with those people and remembering that I had like seriously considered it um, for reasons that would have been, would have been insufficient, I think, to sustain a transition. Anyway, that's my own story. Um, The paper that I was referencing just then is actually by a guy named Michael S. Erwig, and it's not a study, it's just a real quick lit review for the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism. The title is Detransition Among Transgender and Gender Diverse People, an Increasing and Increasingly Complex Phenomenon. Erwig notes that one study of 100 detransitioners found that only 24% of respondents had informed their clinicians that they had detransitioned. The last study that he cites is a cross-sectional online survey of 237 detransitioners, um, recruiting participants primarily through websites and groups for female detransitioners. Uh, The average age of those surveyed was 25 years, 92% were assigned female at birth, 65% transitioned socially and medically, 46% underwent gender-affirming surgeries. The most common reason for detransitioning among these 237 self-identified detransitioners was at 70%, the realization, and this is Erwig's words, the realization that their gender dysphoria was related to other issues, 
And he doesn't say what those other issues would be, but the way the sentence is structured, and you can look it up for yourself, but the way the sentence is structured makes it sound like that, that the dysphoria was related to issues other than transition-related issues. Erwig notes that most respondents describe their detransition as very isolating. He says many lost support and friendships from the LGBT community and some experienced hostility after announcing their decision to detransition. I've heard of that happening myself. It's, it just seems like such a problem how quickly all the complexity on all sides of transitioning, detransitioning, those, those experiences as human experiences have been swept up into ideological projects when there is such a dearth of information about what people are actually experiencing on any side from any angle of those experiences. We just don't have enough information to silence the detransitioners, which is what people yeah. want. People don't yeah. want to be talking about the fact that there are so many females who yeah. were, I said female girls, but I'm talking about people who, yeah. who had this brought upon them as girls. Yes. Like who had their girlhood interrupted by being told yeah. there was something wrong with them. At least 70% say that they got the sense there was something wrong with them from something other than their own inherent transsexual feelings, yes. which is like, that's important to pay attention to. But yeah. for us to say it means we're turps. Like, and yeah. I, I don't want anyone to regret what they have done to their body. That breaks my heart. But I have yeah. read many accounts of people being like, you know, I wonder what it would be like if I still had the body that I was growing up with. Mm -hmm. um, and they just won't know. They just won't know. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what that's fine. The human experience is diverse and beautiful, and there there is room for everyone to to live a happy life. I, I think there is absolutely nothing determining about your experience with your body that determines whether <laughs> you're cool, whether you're beautiful, whether mm -hmm. any of that. But we we're we're not talking about the fact that w that there are social impositions that are removing some choices from yes. girls in this, yeah. in this world. Yeah. And then when we look at also, like you were saying earlier, the fact that the female body is so misunderstood yes. uh, in this society and that like young girls and young women, a lot of times don't understand their body, like don't understand their cycle and how that affects their emotions and their health. And like, like I used to think it would be great if I would just stop getting my period. Now right. I understand that getting my period is a sign that I'm healthy, that my body is working how it is how it should be working yes, yeah, and if yeah. I right and if I'm not getting my period for a while that's a sign that something is wrong so like but people don't know this and there's such a narrative about like that um the menstrual cycle is so annoying and awful and gross and every woman just wishes they could like not have it and you just get your period and you're like oh this is the worst yeah. and I'm not saying like you know some people feel that way sometimes it feels that way but like it is a natural part of female health right and to claim that a girl who's 14 15 16 17 can make the choice to disrupt her fertility and I'm not even talking about like the ability to have children but like fertility as a health um as something that impacts our health right. to to say that that a young woman can make that choice when there's such misunderstanding and just like confusion and lack of respect around how the female body works like it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me it doesn't seem true <laughs> well we simply we just can't pretend that it's pure we can't pretend yeah. that it stems from alone uh, yeah. a transsexual identity when we're being told that it so often doesn't in a world where no one knows anything about female masculinity, about the sex right. that lesbians have, about the body. I thought I was fucking intersex because of the size of my clit for a little while. It's like, mm. that's actually not true. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> fuck? But nobody tells you shit about women because women aren't right. Same. And what one of the 
great things that you say in your piece is like, actually our bodies are holistic systems. So yes. like they're organisms and yeah. there is, there is a way that the female organism has never received the respect, the spotlight, the understanding of it that it yes. needs to, which is why you can tell because the whole queer ideology movement is about penises. It's about the presence right. and absence of one part on one type of person. Yeah. That's all of this is evidence that we are not in a place where we can say that like girls, that it makes sense. <laughs> We are not in a place where we can say that the vast imbalance between girls and boys thinking that they're trans is yeah. natural. No, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense on any from any angle in any yeah. way. Um, yeah. and, and it's frankly like entirely anti-feminist for the queer ideology to shut it down, which only makes sense when you know that what happened was queer ideology emerged solely and exclusively from a backlash to feminism. Yeah, <laughs> that is what it was. I didn't like I didn't realize that I think until talking to you because you have the the stats and the like academic yeah. proof of that I didn't really realize that but like when I look back at my college career I started taking women's studies classes by the end of it I was taking queer theory like mm -hmm. and not I mean I was interested in both but like one certainly eclipsed the other yes and yeah. there's just more you know little tiny moments where that gets proven like you know, I write about a lot of this, but one example is professors would frequently, and one particularly militantly, a, mm -hmm. a non-binary professor told me not to use the word woman, you know, because that is oppressive. It was that basic, right? Um, yeah. I, I was literally, we were talking about the United Nations, and I was like, well, what are we going to do about the class of people who, you know, and it was just like, yeah. so it. you're, you like, basically, I'm the one who's causing the issue. Oh, and by the way, right. They said that that it was also racist to use the word woman, which, and so many people said lesbian was a white word. It's like all you rich people, all you rich people who haven't read a fucking book by a black lesbian or a Latina lesbian, that's your own fucking fault. Like yeah. you're the ones who want to deny reality. Yeah. It, it was like, yeah. I'm the only person in the room who's talking about it. And just because I'm white doesn't mean there aren't people who have written exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm just the only one here who is like, it was doing one it. of the um the recent big feminist names who's been canceled as a turf is Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie yes. um who's a, an African feminist very famous I mean most people probably know her um and she was asked are trans women women and she said trans women are trans women right. and she said that it was important to her as an African feminist to draw a distinction because of the way that girls are treated in um, a lot of African nations and right. the specific uh, issues that African girls and women are facing because of not their identity, but their femaleness. Right. And she is now canceled. Like I've literally had people at work tell me not to recommend her work to students because she is a turf. Yep. Um, yep. And in, and in her speech, she says, and I, and I love and accept trans women. And there right. is a difference. Which is basically the same line that JK Rowling has been. Yeah. Pushing, yeah. which is like not pushing she's not even aggressive I mean she's like the only aggressive thing that JK Rowling does is when people tell her they want to kill her she makes jokes that would not be something offensive to me that is like oh. a human response what's but, offensive is the death threat right but she's basically saying we just need a distinction which yeah. frankly the trans women that I know are like yeah we mm -hmm. do need a distinction there's not like a there's the ideology seems to be getting pushed by like really highly privileged wealthy white queer people who are just like nebulously queer and just like 
want to touch enlightenment, you know? Because, like, the trans women that I know, like, in Dallas, like, none of them are looking at me saying, like, there's nothing about you that is different from me. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. They're not. That would be lying. Right. Um, and so Adichie just said, she just said the ballsy thing, which is, what if we specify trans women when we're talking about trans women? Right. So I actually, the next day after that news came out, I was still taking graduate classes and I was in like a high level graduate seminar and people started talking about how terrible she was for saying that. And I was like, I don't understand, you know, even the most, the most like the people who use the word feminism to describe their work mm-hmm. were like, it's just so discriminatory. And I remember sitting there like, of what? She's literally pointing out a specificity. She's, yeah. not, she's not silencing anyone. She's saying there are specificities at issue, material yeah. ones. And I couldn't wrap my head around that. And that was kind of late stages of grad school where I was like, okay, so everybody's just lost their fucking minds. Because mm-hmm. when white people sitting in a grad class at the University of Pennsylvania get to say that an African feminist yes. is transphobic, we have a fucking problem. Yeah. And one thing that really bothers me is the um, complete misuse of these very serious terms. Like something like discrimination has a definition and is a serious thing that happens to people. So like we need to we need to talk about that. Something like racism, white supremacy, transphobia, like these are actual words with actual definitions that are very serious words. So we can't just throw them around when it's when it's not true, when it doesn't apply. Like, and that's one thing that just really like bothers me (laughs) that I see on the left all the time of like, this is white supremacist. And it's like, that is an, that is an actual thing. (laughs) Like, yeah, what we need to be able to define that. That is a very serious This is fascist. These are not, those are actual things. Yes. And we need to be able to point to them when Mm -hmm. they're there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely transphobia all the same we need to be able to point to transphobia when it's happening so that, yes. we, can, so that we can identify the assholes and identify yes. the other people who we should be listening to who are any who's anyone with a rational perspective because i'm not some like horn tutor for democracy but shouldn't we be able to talk to each other to fucking live like yes that's that's basic yeah and, and we I'm, should be able to to disagree yes we should be yeah. able to disagree um yeah and i mean it's I do not ascribe to a model of like, just like we were saying at the beginning of this conversation, you can't just deploy an identity like a net over everyone and declare that nobody else can talk about the same issue. Like right. we can't we can't all talk about the same issue. I, I think that that's completely dangerous to try to do. Quick interjection. I'm thinking all that can possibly do is cover up how many different groups of people and experiences and ways of life might have a stake in what is being discussed. Like, like I keep, people keep telling me that my allyship is demanded, right? Like you need to listen to people who aren't like you. And I'm like, why aren't they supposed to listen to me when I'm not like them? It's like one way allyship always from lesbians to somebody else is what it seems like. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially cis lesbians, quote unquote, towards Mm -hmm. other people. It's like, but we all have experiences. We all need to talk. Of course that system would like to have an excuse not to have to read African feminist theory. Right. (laughs) Right. That's convenient. Like reading anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Super. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like people will assume that that someone like Adiche or like Rowling is coming from a place of hating trans people. But what they're coming from is a place of caring about women. Like, right. 
And and maybe they're prioritizing women over trans people. Maybe they are because they are women and their experiences, their female experiences are important to them. And they want to talk about that. And they see that like both of these women are very, very privileged writers who have big platforms and who are looking at like JK Rowling is considering women who don't have the privilege that she has, who are in abusive relationships or who have been assaulted. Um, Adichie is, is, Uh, considering African women who don't have the money and privilege that she has, who uh, don't have control over their lives because they were born female and because they're in this patriarchal system. And that's who both of these women are talking about. And to to just distill that whole, to use your word distill, um, (laughs) to just distill that whole point down to, and clearly they hate trans people is so, it's it's just not genuine. Like that's clearly not the argument that they're making. And way to make it not about women all over again. Like exactly, it's, it's like essentially th- th- both of those women are, are extremely honest about their priorities. Mm-hmm. They, they're doing what the queer ideology so often doesn't, which is say, actually, in this statement, I'm really focusing on this specific problem because this right. is the thing that doesn't get talked about. This is the thing that I feel is disappearing. Right. This is their their specificity is what gets them in hot water. Yeah. When their specificity should be the reason they're allowed to talk. Yeah. Um, they're not claiming to speak for trans women right exactly. like that, yeah it is so bizarre how the queer monolith has created a world where it's like if you're not speaking to and for everyone who demands that you do then you have no authority it's like actually I'm just speaking about myself but okay I'm not allowed to do that either I just I didn't, yeah. realize, I didn't realize that yeah. was the problem <laughs> it's everything has to be included and I think there's also an aspect of like of privilege theory theory there and privilege theory that's based only on identity um this idea that like because I've been told before that because I'm privileged um because I'm white and cis um I should be centering other people when I talk about things like I should be centering for example I guess trans women of color but to be honest I don't really know that many trans women of color and it's not that I don't like respect their experience and I would love to read their work and I do read their work often but like I'm not going to center other random people when I'm talking about my well, life how could, like how how could I'm going to talk about myself right and if I were to attempt to like wouldn't I be like speaking over them about their own experiences like yes. how do I don't know that experience that's not what I live so like I'm going to talk about my experience and like yes I'm white yes I'm cis like that those are things like I cannot I have not chosen they're just who I am and so basically when people say well you shouldn't be centering your own experience because of your privileges what they're saying is like just stop talking they're saying stop talking and and they're presuming again like the death of education they're presuming that you can't in your own writing ask questions that are productive about these other experiences like right cannot possibly it if we're understanding i was talking to some friends the other day about like the the kind of buzzwords that are queer community norms so to speak that are actually not operationalizable like what would it mean for me to center trans women in my own writing I can't because I can't speak for them but I can mention them I can ask questions about the differences between us but I'm not I'm not ever going to be able to but it doesn't even make sense right that's not that doesn't that's not something I can do um responsibly at least and then the other the other norm oh that we were talking about was like making space for right what that presumes that I even have a space that I control Mm -hmm. I don't I like stone butch disco is is first of all welcoming to anyone who wants to drop a comment in any spirit of trying to understand each other right it's wildly diverse on purpose there's no reason that we're not like pushing some ideology but the other thing is we are we've created a little specific place to talk about specific things um, because we don't have 
a space. So what would it mean for me to quote unquote make space for what does that even mean? Does that mean that I constantly am saying actually not everybody who identifies with Butch feels this way? Why do I have do I have to say that every other sentence? Is that what making space means? Yeah. What, is, what is my actual like moral obligation when that phrase is used? It's honestly, I think it's purely theoretical. And I think it's like, I think it's speaking to this like broader kind of at least modern leftist impulse to um, categorize everyone based on identities that are either privileged or not privileged. And yeah. then to claim that only certain ideas that come from certain unprivileged identities are important. And those other, the other ideas are just by nature of coming from a white person or a cis person are just not good, or we've already heard them too much. And we should just like, they shouldn't even really be um, out here in the public. Yeah. Like area. no one should be saying the things. Yeah. Even if they're deeply relevant to people. Like I, yeah. I have had to spill digital ink defending SBD when people are like, how dare you talk about female butch lesbian experience like that's a thing like that is straight up where they're coming from and then I have to go blah 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 blah. this is like life or death for many of us like no joke we have always thought there are things wrong with us we decided there weren't that mm -hmm. we know that there are people coming to this page who are still in that process of deciding there's nothing wrong with them right. ways, or whatever it is and then those people will be like oh okay so that is maybe a thing but it's like yeah. there's no sociological imagination in the queer community to be like hey maybe these people also have legitimate feelings like, right. what yeah. the fuck? but it's always the female people who don't matter yeah and it's always and this is a common kind of intellectual sexism it's always she must think this way because she hasn't educated herself she doesn't yes. know what i know yes she, she must think this i've even heard people say this about jk rowling who is like so intelligent like who has deeply read all this theory she must just be confused or she must have just yep. stumbled upon yep. a couple of radfem things and that yep. kind of makes sense to her and now she like and I'm very familiar with this kind of intellectual sexism. Yeah. My mom told me as a young girl, she said, if a man thinks that you are disagreeing with him because you don't understand him, make it clear to him that you understand and you disagree. Nice. This is a common, a common thing it that is. happens. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. That's such a good point. I want to like start with that on the episode. <laughs> what we are talking about, it's truly people who misunderstand the project that you and I are both engaged in, as far as I understand it, which is like actually yeah. creating a space for discourse. They, mm -hmm. they don't understand that what you just said is what we are, that is what we are up against. We are fighting intellectual sexism that has intentionally and unintentionally silenced the legitimacy yeah. of female experience as a class condition, as something to be dealt with. And conveniently made it so that straight men don't have to look at butch femme sex that definitely threatens their idea of their specialness. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. When I, when I lost this this friendship with my um my friend from college, um, he was saying to me, yes, okay. So he first he said to me, why does this matter to you? He had read my piece, or at least said that he read my piece, and he said, why does this matter to you? And so I thought I had explained it in the piece why it matters to me, um, uh, as, yeah, a, I think as so. a woman, as someone who <laughs> has experienced like thinking I was non-binary and all this stuff. Um, but so, and I took the time and I explained it to him how why it matters to me, how it has negatively, how this gender ideology, queer ideology, has negatively affected me, my girlfriend, other women, like tangible experiences. And then when I explained it, he said, "That's not real. That's not happening." Yep. 
That's, yeah. I wish that was <laughs> fucking surprising. Yeah. And it's like, right. That's the constant thing. People will all the time be like, why do you even care about this? And then I explain it and they're like, well, that's not true. And I'm like, okay, well, yep. I mean, all I, right. tell you, I cannot tell you how many times in the academy, academic spaces at University of Pennsylvania specifically, I heard, well, that's not true. Like lesbians are still writing lesbian stuff. And as Max said on the previous episode, it's like, bitch, where, where? Yeah. Because show me. Frankly, like I, and that's why my first dissertation chapter was, look at how they're not. Let me show you the numbers. Like you right. are lying to me. And how dare you say that to me when I am saying, I crave this stuff. This is my identity. Yeah. I look for it every day. I'm telling you it's not there. And you're dismissing me with like a wave of the hand. Like, yeah. where do you get off doing that? And frankly, you're allowed to do that to lesbians. You're allowed to do that to female people. You're not really allowed to do that to anybody else or to a category that contains male people. No. Um, so that fucking sucks. Oh, I was going to talk about the, my non-binary professor who, mm -hmm. um, well, I'm asserting that they were non-binary because they did not believe in gender, but they didn't ever declare, this is another thing I think we need to do. They didn't mm -hmm. really say where they were on identity at all. So I didn't know until like the end of the class when they started really shitting on me hardcore because they weren't gonna have to deal with me anymore. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that they really hated like women and lesbians. <laughs> um, so I yeah. usually gave them pronouns because they didn't actually reveal any pronouns, but like they made it very clear that they didn't believe in this whole system at all. Which in just gender, in gender and sex, I guess. Yeah, all of it. Um, that was like the, that was the thrust of what was being said, and it did feel much like a patriarchal thrust. If we, mm -hmm. if I may, not that female, females can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. But there's so, a difference. <laughs> there's a difference. The thrust was wanted in those instances. Um, but yeah, like they had said, oh, gaslighting. They had mm -hmm. said, well, queer theory and feminist theory should should and can just be taught as though they're the same thing. I can't tell you how many times I heard that because you know the construction queer slash feminism, queer queer feminism or queer slash feminist theory. Have you seen this shit? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make I sense. Have, two different things. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because That's most true. like most women are straight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but queer isn't even anything anymore. It's like you can queer. Right. As I wrote, like the relationship between islands and continents has been queered in a dissertation that I was talking to somebody about. It's that kind of shit. And like oh, islands are queer now. <laughs> right. Um, so I <laughs> frankly I was like, well, that's interesting because queer theory, the way you're teaching it, seems entirely detached from the body. And feminism seems pretty right. invested in the body. So how are they the right. same? And I was trying to figure out what the why they could possibly be the same. And I figured it out, I think. It was that this person thought both of them should be deconstructing things. Yeah. Only, right? Yeah. Feminism is a deconstructionist project. And I actually talked about this last episode with Mac, but it's like, it needs to be hit again that feminism is in no way post-structuralist. No. It is deeply structuralist. It is deeply right. invested in history and where it puts us. There is no ability to deconstruct into the ground feminist ideas because they are based in material baggage. Yeah. And it's not going to help because like, because sex is not a construct. It is a biological reality, at least in my understanding. Um, so like, even if we intellectually deconstruct the concept of sex, which people have done, there's right. still going to be those these differences and there's still going to be these sex classes. And one of these classes is going to be a class of people who can give birth 
people who statistically have lower muscle mass and are smaller people who, you know, all these things that come along with having a, a female body that put us at risk. Mm-hmm. So like we can, if we deconstruct all the, all the language and all the ideas around it, now it's still happening and we can't talk about it. A toast of the soda can to female intellectuals talking to each other and citing each other. This is the world that I want to actually see do things for the first time in human history um, that we maybe get some some space, whether that's a podcast or somewhere else. All right. The actual episode is over, but I have a story and a special announcement for you, and that's what's coming next. So hang tight if you would consider yourself in favor of what we're doing here. If you are more of a nayer, less of a yayer, I'm impressed that you're still here, and I'm sorry that you put up with what you just put up with. Um, but yeah, I'm going to play this music, the outro, and then I'm going to deliver my little story uh, and my little announcement after it. Back again like flu season, I broke records while loose leaf, and I'm coming now my roof leaving, don't give a fuck, I don't care, uh, did the shit my lonesome, no wonder now I'm on one, no shortcuts on that long run, all I really want is my share, uh, get him, my God, him, I told him it's nothing, in the discussion. Okay, as promised, a story. The story's a little depressing, the special announcement is less so, um, but the story. So I used to be a teacher. Um, a K-12 K through 12 teacher. Before that, taught college. Very different world. Um, I was a K-12 through 12 teacher in Texas. And when I was working at MacArthur High School in a town called Irving in Texas, um, administrators came around and scratched off these pride stickers that teachers had had on their classroom doors and windows for like a year and a half. They scratched them off with keys and students got freaked out. I got freaked out. I was one of five people who were the Gay Straight Alliance sponsors. And we, as the sponsors, submitted a formal grievance alleging basically discrimination, that this had no purpose, that it was actually in opposition to prevailing wisdom on what makes students successful at school. Um, And very shortly, literally the next day after our grievance was submitted, I was put on involuntary leave. And then two days after me, another colleague, another Gay Straight Alliance sponsor was put on leave. So for the next two weeks, my students sat in an auditorium. This is infuriating to me. They had no instruction whatsoever. They just sat and messed around on their phones for two weeks. And then after that, they had a permanent sub for the rest of the year who just wasn't certified in what I was teaching, which was journalism and English too, which is a star-tested, state-tested subject. So they had no instruction that was like really proper to the test that they needed to pass. Right. So that's how education rolls in K through 12 when people are panicking in your direction and when they think it's doing harm to acknowledge the social reality of gay and trans people in the universe. Um, but I, I wasn't sure I wanted to leave teaching, so I found a job where I hope there was more of a spirit of diversity and inclusion, and there was, but um, I found that job unlivable for reasons that are just related to what teaching is like these days. Like, please, if you know teachers, have, have a great deal of sympathy for what they go through. It's wild. Um, but I, I realized that my old career, which was like, my long-term work, um, my writing work, my like social theory stuff that this project is based on is probably a better use for me in the world. Um, the reason that I thought that is because I was hearing more and more as a teacher that my girl students were feeling in droves, like there was something very, very wrong with themselves for being gender non-conforming, which seems ironic, right? It feels like we've entered a a post-feminist world almost of queer, just queerness where it's everywhere and everybody can be comfortable. But the people who are losing out in my experience personally, because this is my experience as well, but also 
in what I've seen as a teacher, the people who are losing out are those who are born female and are starting to feel like to own being a woman is a question for them when it doesn't need to be. And that's actually causing a lot of crisis. Um, it's causing crisis because at the same time, they're hearing from boys in middle school, especially that like females are gross, right? So there's they're like getting sexism from a lot of directions, but they're being told by, I think, the dominant narratives of queer progress that we that femaleness is not a ground on which to share a class condition so they're they're like struggling with they actually feel like you can't be you can't be a woman if you're if you dress in the clothes they were wearing you know so i started to feel like this project was urgent because i had experienced similar self doubt and not only self doubt that's a that's like couching it i had had a crisis when i was coming out as a butch lesbian especially around sexuality, that I there had always been something wrong with me, perhaps, and I just hadn't known it. And frankly, the queer community was telling me that there was something mismatched about who I claimed to be and who I really was. And that was that caused an immense valley in my mental health that I didn't get out of. I didn't climb out of it for like three years. So I started to do Stone Butch Disco. I quit my teaching job. I realized that like the writing, the thinking, the work, the research that I'd been doing for eight years that I had left behind when I quit um, my PhD program, which is another longer story related to institutional sexism, closely related. I, I realized there was actually, it, it was urgent right now, so I needed to do it. Um, so I realized that I would need a full-time job of some sort, um, if not one like teaching where you have to bring it home with you so much. I was looking for something that I could do, but also podcast on the side. And I found being a 911 dispatcher, um, because as this podcast indicates, I'm drawn to crisis. So I did everything for two and a half months. I was, I was not only in the running for the job, I was like just about to get the job. I was, it was a shoe in and I passed the polygraph. I passed the psych. I did all the things. I like checked all the boxes. We discussed the starting date and then they found Stonebush Disco. <laughs> and so as I suspected, I mean, I knew I couldn't be a teacher and run an explicit podcast that talks about sex sometimes, but I also can't be a dispatcher turns out because I didn't know this, but they you can get sued as a dispatcher. And if you get sued, you can be accused of like unprofessionalism for talking about sex publicly or something like that. So I'm running out of things to do that I'm trained for because I'm realizing my whole past in communications, the part of me that's not strictly like a, an academic writer person has done other communications work, but all of that is going to be concerned with my image. So especially in Texas, you can't talk about lesbian sex all the time and have a job where like your image is ever going to matter or is like going to come up in court or something like that. But the truth is my actual career is, is as a writer and researcher. That's what I've spent most of my adult time training to do. So here's the happy bit. I've landed here and I've leaned all the way in, like almost like jumped basically. I created a Patreon and it's like got stupid names on the tiers. It's got funny little merch that's specific to Patreon if you're into that stuff. But the main thing that I was going to do on the Patreon is read a bunch of things that people have already um, told me that they want to read, or I guess they have sent me the titles of things that maybe they want me to talk about on the podcast. And so I was like, let's turn these into mini-sodes. And then every two weeks I'll release like a book review mini-sode, which is not so much like a, I approve or dis disapprove of this thing, but um, that I would pick out the key points from various lesbian, sex related, gender related, identity related, social theory related, even novels, who knows, like different texts that have um, different things that they say. And then I'll pick out like quotes and illustrations or whatever is helpful to capture that book. And I'll give that to you as a PDF. So every level will have that. Um, I think that would just be a fun thing. 
Um, but then the, the, the levels also have like different benefits. You'll at the $10 level or above, you'll have voting power to make decisions about like topics and interviews and other podcast related news. So in any case, the site is patreon.com slash stonebutchdisco. That's where you can go and check out your options if you're into that. And if you are, thank you so much. I will, um, I believe Patreon will show you this, but I will shout you out at the soonest opportunity if that is something that you have opted into. With that, have a great week. I will talk at you next Friday night.